I'm gonna tell you what it is, okay? It's a dumbass white movie about some dumbass white girls getting their white asses cut the fuck up, okay? <laughs> yeah, I suppose Sandra Bullock is Miss Ethnicity, right? Well, no, all I'm saying is that the horror genre is historical for excluding the African American elements. Well, that's how you get your PhD in black cinema, Sister Soldier. Welcome back to Afro Horror, everyone. This is our March episode, and I'm super excited because we are celebrating the one-year anniversary of Jordan Peele's Us. Actually, that's not true. It's the two-year anniversary. What year? It's 2021, and it came out in 2019. So this is the two-year anniversary of Jordan Peele's Us. Um, so I really wanted to do this episode in March so we could celebrate that anniversary, and I have a special guest with me today. I'm really excited to um, tape this episode with this with this young woman because she's been in a few of our clubhouse rooms, which if you're not on clubhouse, um, if you not, if you're not on clubhouse, you should be, if you need an invite, you can DM us. I might have a special clubhouse invite giveaway if you really want to join our room, but it's Jennifer Ford. Okay. So Jennifer Ford is a writer, producer, podcaster, and Spanish teacher for black Americans interested in adapting new, a new language. She's originally from Chicago and is obsessed with, is it Lou Mal? Malnati, Jennifer? Luminati's. Luminati's. Luminati. <laughs> Sounds like a Luminati. <laughs> Not the Illuminati. Not Lou the Illuminati. <laughs> is a deep dish pizza, Lake Point Tower, Garfield Park conservative, and of course her birthhood, North Lawndale, which to her, just kidding, <laughs> which is the best side <laughs> of Chicago, the west side. I only say that because my sister lives in Chicago right now. I think she lives on the east side. <laughs> so. uh, <laughs> well, this is what's fun. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm very excited um, to join you. And the fact that you said your sister lives on the east side, now I'm going to side eye you, Charday, because <laughs> technically there is no east side in Chicago. If somebody says oh. they live on the east side, that means they live in the lake. We don't have an east side. <laughs> well, I, I, to so, be fair, I have no idea, but she does mention like South Loop a lot. I don't know what that she's means. She's from the, the South Side, so she's close to the water, but it's still South. So she's okay. She's South Loop, South Side, same thing. But she's not in the water, so that's that, <laughs> my sister is a mermaid. <laughs> I'm revealing it to you all right here. Yeah, she. she so when we she. Um, moved to Chicago 10 years ago after she left college and then she left Chicago to come live with me um, and we lived together for six years and then pandemic happened and she actually got um, left back in Michigan where we're from originally. She was visiting my mom and she has asthma so she decided traveling would not be smart because she, if she catches COVID it could really potentially hurt her. She has severe asthma but she got engaged. Uh, she met a man in quarantine and they moved to Chicago and now they live in the South Loop not in the ocean. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Congratulations to your sister. Thank what a great, you. great city to, to fall in love in or to at least, you know, have that love story continue. So great. Yes. She lives right across the street from a Dunkin' Donuts. And I remember going to visit her and just being able to walk to a Dunkin' was like a dream. I don't know how she listen. Listen, glazed donuts all day from Dunkin' Donuts. So good. I don't understand. So People are obsessed with Krispy Kremes. I'm like, have you never tried Dunkin'? It's everything. <laughs> like, so. They know how to do donuts. That's why it's 
there are the things. coffee. So, yeah. Oh, the coffee at Dunkin' Donuts is unmatched. Sorry, this is not the Dunkin' Donuts. Podcast, I know, right? <laughs> but it should be. Um, so Jennifer, please, please tell us about your podcast because you also have a podcast. Um, and it's called, sorry, I, I just closed my window. It's Shooting the Ish with a Brit. Yes. Please know what that so, is about. So it is a podcast that um, is hosted by me and a white British man. And so he and I actually met uh, at my now former employer, which is HBO. He still works there. But we met, I originally did not really think he was a nice person, not that he wasn't nice, but he kind of came in, I thought, as your typical entitled white guy. And so I, I just felt those kind of vibes. And I was like, here we go again. But then when we got to know each other, I was like, this guy is actually cool. And he has a really great background. So we developed a great friendship. And we decided to put our friendship and our own perspectives about the world in a podcast format. Hence the name, shooting the ish with a Brit. Wait, I love that because I have a lot of male plutonic friends who are just like, this is just, you are just cool friends. And people say that doesn't exist. It does. And it's really great when you can find a male companion who's strictly just a friend because it's a very different dynamic. I'm very close to my brothers. They're twin boys. So it's just like a very different dynamic having male friends. And I, so I want to ask, is it the, your first impression with him being rude? Is it because of that British culture, that background? You hit it right on the right on the head. I think that's exactly what it was. Because even as we talk in, and he says certain things, I'm like, wait, that's just him being British. He's not like being rude. Like even their sense of humor, as you know, is like very different and can be very dry. It can yeah. come off a little like off-putting. Yeah, that's completely, it was a cultural difference. That's, that's how I feel about the French. I've been a lot of around a lot of French people in my time. And I, at first I was like, these people are horrible. But then you're like, yeah. oh no, they're just very blunt, honest, and yeah. they take no shit. And I like these people a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can get right in with them because they don't have time to waste on like semantics and politics. They're like, whatever. <laughs> so um, where can I listen to this? And when does it, how many episodes are you on? And like, tell me all the info. So you guys can listen to it on all your, you know, popular podcast platforms, you know, Apple, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We actually just finished our season three. It was dedicated to relationships. Uh, so we had episodes with, you know, featuring relationships with police, where we actually had two police on and we talked about the relationship between the police and the community, relationships with politics, relationships with romantic partners. That one is one of our top uh, like listens because he has his ex-wife on and I have an ex-boyfriend on that I didn't talk to for two years. <laughs> so we <laughs> so we unpack, you know, a lot of why, you know, our relationship did not work, but then also the ways in which we learned and what we look for in future mates. So you guys can can listen to it wherever. I'm gonna listen to that one. That is <laughs> right up my alley. The awkwardness, the tension, but also like the acceptance and like the forgiveness and closure. <laughs> that's a drug. Oh, that's a <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm super excited to listen to this. Okay, everyone, it's, um, oh, sorry, I closed my screen again. Shooting the ish with a Brit on all platforms. It's just wrapped season three or you just started season yeah, three? 
just wrapped season three, gearing up for season four, and shooting has no G at the end. So shooting the ish with a Brit. Awesome. And I'm going to also link um, that on our Instagram and tag it. So you guys can go there to tag our Instagram and our Twitter um, and in the show notes. So you can have the link and you'll be set to go. But that is really awesome, Jennifer. I can't wait to listen to that. Oh my goodness. Um, all right. So today we're talking about us. And I always like to start with our guests, because if you don't know, if you're new to the show, perhaps, or you are um, an avid listener, but you haven't caught on to this yet, we have our show list and we let our guests pick the show that they want to be on. So I do want to um, know, why did you pick us? I picked us because uh, the movie came out on my birthday in 2019. What? <laughs> the 22nd? Yes, March 22nd oh. is my birthday. Well, then we absolutely <laughs> will release this on March 22nd. Oh, that's Pull nice. <laughs> that's so sweet. That's so sweet. Um, so I chose it because it came out on my birthday. This was also, I want to say, the third date that I had with my current boyfriend. So we're going on two years oh now. Oh, God. So, and we shared our first kiss watching this movie. Was it our first, wait, what? is that a lie? No, it wasn't our first kiss, sorry. What? No, it wasn't. It was one of our first deep, passionate kisses. I'll go with that. Uh, while we were like watching this movie. So that's why- Why were you getting it. freaky deaky in the theater to us? <laughs> I mean, look, like I, I was actually bored with the movie. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, here we go. Here we go now. The podcast has officially started. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to hot takes today. This is great. <laughs> you don't have to go there right now if you don't want to. But there was clearly time. I was like, he's looking real cute over there. Let me just give him a kiss. So, yeah. Damn. I don't, um, I feel like, is that, that's good news and also bad news. Like no filmmaker wants to hear that their film was so <laughs> putting that other people would just rather have sex than watch it. But also it's just like, if my film got people to get closer, I guess I would also appreciate that. Um, <laughs> uh, so then you, you pick the movie, not just because it's your birthday, because it's sentimental to you and your partner currently. Um, yeah. oh, okay. All right. Well, that's, that's great. I can't wait to dive into the boring parts with you. I actually have to agree. Um, and look, everyone, we have opinions here and there are just opinions. Film is subjective. It's supposed to be analyzed. Um, I was intrigued with the storyline because they gave us really nothing, or at least they did, but I didn't. I, I go into movies blind. I, I don't even like watching a trailer if I can help it. I like to just go into a movie with no expectations. But I will say there are a lot of moments that did not stick the landing for me in this in this film. Um, and we will be going over those because I love the idea. I think the premise is really interesting, but um, if you were in our clubhouse room, we talked about this on, for hours, it's the mythology and the ethos of this premise that is never explored properly. And it leaves a lot of open questions. And I know some people are like, you just have to ignore that and appreciate it. I'm like, it's hard to ignore that when it comes apart. It's about the story. Like there's a lot of things, obviously in film, we call them suspension of belief, right? Like, yeah, I can believe the earth, you know, that Ben Affleck can get on a crater and save the earth from a, um, an asteroid. Like I can believe that suspension of the belief, whatever. Um, I'm talking about um, Armageddon, if anyone <laughs> didn't put that together. But then when it comes to like, just how this world, the world building and it inflicts in that, that becomes a problem with me actually enjoying it because I go, it doesn't feel connective. Anyway, we're going to talk about it. 
Um, I'm happy that you picked this episode, especially because we I did dive so deep into it in the clubhouse, but clubhouse isn't recorded. So I really wanted to carry that conversation over into the podcast. And we are celebrating not just your birthday, but us's second birthday. So this is really cool. Really cool. Okay. Um, I also want to encourage you, Jennifer, do not be afraid to hold back on your opinion. You should listen to our Ma episode uh, with um, Zena and I. We trashed it from top to bottom. So um, we did not hold back. And a lot of our episodes, we don't hold back, you know? So feel free to say what you have to say. And no one better go after my girl because this is all love. This is all the part of the journey of being in the film business. Amen. With that said, Let's talk 2019's Us. Okay, let's get into the logistics of the film first so we can set the table. So Us did um, premiere at South by Southwest on March. Let me see. I want to get it right. I want to get it right. I don't want to get it wrong. March 8th, 2019. Um, Makes me sad to know that South by Southwest will be different this year. But um, it had a lot of buzz coming out of South by Southwest. And then it released in the United States on March 22nd. That's why we're talking about it. It has a runtime of 116 minutes, um, so just shy of that two-hour mark. It's a budget of 20 million, and it made 255.2 million here in the U.S. So, it, I mean, it did its job. It did what it was supposed to do, which is make money. Um, it's produced by Monkey Paw Productions. That's Jordan Peele's, and then Perfect World Pictures. It was distributed by Universal Pictures. Um, I also I feel like this is the departure from Blumhouse. Like Blumhouse did get out, but they did not do us. And I'm gonna, I wanna dive into that more later. Um, some players in in the in the behind the scenes here. Jordan Peele, obviously, writer-director, um, Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, obviously, Yaya, um, Ab- Abdul Mateen, who I can't always say his name right, so I apologize. Um, it has a six point eight star rating on imbd so jennifer you're not alone um seems like some other people had a little bit of an issue with this uh and then let's see it was oh i'm sorry it was it was produced by blumhouse i'm sorry everyone it was i see jason's name right here (laughs) Uh, music by michael abels cinematographer by mike gawaski and um edited by nicholas monsoor which oh and casting by terry taylor um, I would like to say also, looking at the list of these credits, it's very male heavy again, which really bothers me. And I know and some of you are rolling your eyes, but it's really important to me that women just aren't final girls in horror, that we actually have women behind the scenes doing jobs, um, not just casting directors and wardrobe, which is where we usually just get like, that's the only time we get women representation. But um, I would have liked to see some more cinematographers and some more um, producers that are women as well. Um, okay, Jennifer, can you tell me about the, well, you were on a date, you were making out, but what you and your partner, why they cho- you chose to go see us on your birthday and what the whole process was of you getting there, just paint the table for me. Sure, so us, I think from what I remember, uh, it had gained so much buzz. I remember the trailer being the thing for everybody to watch months leading up to its release. And the trailer looked phenomenal, okay? You have, I got five on it, which for me is very nostalgic. Love that song as a kid. Didn't know what the hell they were talking about at all, but I was jamming to it. 
um, seeing the beautiful Lupita Nyong'o on screen, um, sort of playing a role that departs from what I'm used to her seeing, or used to me seeing, which is, which is a spooky character or in a spooky genre. Uh, Winston Duke, who we all love from Black Panther, and then these these kids, you know, that I had never seen before. So the whole dynamic was beautiful in the trailer. That got me excited. And so for me, all my birthday, I'm like, hey, this movie's coming out. Why not go and see it? Um, so my boyfriend was was you know of the same mind. So we so we went to go see it with the the hope that it was going to live up to all of the hype. Where do you live, by if you mind saying, or what? Like, oh, yeah, sure. I live in Brooklyn. Okay, 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 cool. Yes. So yes. you went to see it at what theater? What theater? We saw it in, I want to say, the Lower East Side. Um, I don't know exactly what theater, but, you know, one of the main ones. It must have been a Regal or AMC. Or gotcha. Something. Was it packed? It was packed. Um, yeah, it was packed to the to the bone. And I want to say it was a mixed crowd, too. Sometimes I, I like to watch certain movies with, like, only Black people. Like, this would have been an only Black movie sort of yeah. experience. But we just happened to be in the Lower East Side where it was, like, more mixed. But, yeah. Yeah, I saw this movie at the AMC. And I live in Burbank. And there's three AMCs on one block, which makes no sense. There's a 6, an 8, and a 16. And I went to see it at the, the 6, the small one, because I like the smaller theater, you know more time for me to get exits I don't play I don't play opening day movies anymore since um Dark Knight uh but I did for this one <laughs> like I, I don't do that um but I did for this one I just made sure you know I had all my eyes at the exit I just I just don't trust it anymore yeah. <laughs> I understand completely what was your impression when you left the theater because I know you went in with a lot of expectations but when you I mean yeah. you were making out so <laughs> we, we were making out okay so we were able to catch most of it. I say 98% of it, you know, minus the making out part. But Chardet, when the credits started rolling, my boyfriend and I look, literally looked at each other and I said, what the fuck was that? No. <laughs> yeah, so when you talked about trashing this movie, like, like I am a, I am a person who loves to believe in the nutty as long as the world is built correctly and all the rules remain the rules okay. and if there are exceptions to have them established so that I know that it's a possibility for the rules to be broken so yeah. I felt at the end of it like not only what is this what was I supposed to get from this who was Jordan Peele talking to I had so many questions it was a lot so the, I think it was a lot it's a lot. It's like it's sci-fi and it's horror, which is fine because that was get out with sci-fi and horror too. But then it's also like a political commentary, right? With the U.S. us being United States. Some people have said, I don't know if that's true. Um, um, and then it was it's just like political things happening. And then like you said, the world building. Like we're breaking rules of the world building. And I'm like, how do I understand the world building better than the film? <laughs> I don't understand that. Exactly. And we're gonna get all into that, but. Um, I think for me, when I left the theater, I said that it felt more like a second draft of an edit and it needed one more edit. Wow. But that's what I felt. I was like, if it had one more pass, I feel like we could have tightened it up. We're going to get to the, the boring, quote unquote, boring parts. There was a lot of exposition, not exposition, but there was a lot of scenes that honestly we could have done without. Honest, a lot of the first act for me 
which we're going to talk about in a second. So let's start, let's start with that. Okay. What I want to say, you guys, you know, we always read the Wikipedia synopsis, but <coughs> pardon me. I took a big breath of air. <coughs> I'll edit it out. Oh, help. Um, we usually use the Wikipedia synopsis, but I learned from our clubhouse room that the Wikipedia for this movie sucked because it left out so much. I found a wonderful detailed plot summary on a website called Fan Cited, and this is written by Octavia Reed. Um, it was written one year ago, and it, it literally the title of the article is a detailed plot summary for everyone too scared to see us. Perfect. This is the one I'm going to use because she literally gives me everything that I need. So we're going to start reading the plot summary, and then we'll stop and start in some parts. All right. Are we ready? Are we ready? We're ready. Here we go. So. Ready. Us opens on a wide shot of a television screen. The year is 1986 and a Hands Across America commercial plays. Cut to Adelaide, Madison Curry, um, a young girl vacationing with her parents in Santa Cruz. While at a seaside carnival, her father plays a game and wins Adelaide a Michael Jackson Thriller t-shirt. She puts on the baggy shirt immediately and follows in her parents' shadows as they head to the next um, attraction. So let's stop there. We're painting the picture. This is little girl. Um, father and and mother um single child obviously and you could tell there's a lot of tension between the parents they they are not getting along it seems like the father is like uninterested or disinterested in being with his daughter and it looks like he's got an alcoholic problem okay that great okay i get i can understand why that is being painted but it also feels like we're giving the parents a little bit more background information than we need because if if, when, if you guys have seen the movie um we don't hear from them after this scene except for like one exactly. other tiny scene <laughs> go ahead Jennifer <laughs> exactly no just to piggyback off of that I completely agree with you I feel like that sort of character development wasn't really needed I feel like um like you said we don't see them we don't we don't we don't really understand why his alcoholism you right. know his sort of like what does that have to do with anything so why even express that yeah it know? doesn't service the plot in any way shape or form it just kind of no. paints this picture that maybe gives an excuse why this little girl leaves and and wanders off but um honestly she's a little girl so I think suspension of belief would have let us know like yeah little girls wander off little boys wander off like that's what kids do I don't necessarily know if having a strained parent relationship here's my take I would have actually loved to see a happy family and lose their daughter for a moment and then you know in that scene later when she's when they're arguing with the counselor of like you weren't there I would love to see this happy moment switch and then their daughter who gets lost for a few moments comes back different and then that strains the marriage I think that's an interesting arc you know I agree because they were already in an unhappy place like it just didn't seem like they could go anywhere <laughs> anywhere so so we have that we have the thriller shirt and I it's a it's a testament to the time right like 1986 but I also was like analyzing this okay thriller I'm like that's about zombies right so is this movie about zombies but it's not um or is it just a nod like is it just like a pop culture nod I'm like that's great how many of those are we gonna have and we have a lot in this movie we do. I think uh, now that you say that, I didn't even consider this, but maybe the thriller shirt was a nod to 
this idea that maybe there are zombies. I mean, as as we'll get into it, the tethered could be considered to be um, an indication of of zombie. You know, um, a being that is sort of is able to move around, but there's no actual soul in it. Um, That's a good point. I think one of you know one of the things that kind of you know also bothered me about this movie is that I feel like Jordan Peele went overboard with making everything quote-unquote mean Mean something something. like it was just so deliberately like this shirt is going to be deep and then I'm like but it's not deep you know so now we're talking and trying to find deepness maybe in something that really isn't but because it's Jordan Peele and we're confused we're like how does this fit into the story, you know? No, and that's such a good point because this is the sister, not sister, it's not the sister film, but this is the fo- his follow-up um, film to Get Out and Get Out, you know, he won an Oscar for that that script yes. and that film is riddled with so much. Deservedly, yes, absolutely. But that film has so many um, different nuggets that you can dive into, like this means this, this means and the connectivity. It almost feels like, and let me know how you feel about this because you you said you worked at HBO, so you're in the kind of the world as well. I'm a writer, so I, especially as a black writer, you always feel a pressure to be socially conscious with your work, and like you said, make everything little mean something. Like this shoe represents white oppression. You know what I mean? Like, and then you can't just be like no other people in horror. Like no one's pressing um, uh, Stephen King. To, to make his, like, make it about race. Like, no one's going to pressure Stephen King to do that or make any of his other films, even though a lot of his other books and, and shows um, are based off his alcoholism that he suffered for a long time. Um, but at the end of the day, that's different because only race only affects, obviously, like, people of color. So um, it's it feels like there was a lot of pressure, internal pressure, maybe not outsourced from the studio, but a lot of internal pressure for Jordan to make a get out part two which is i've got to be socially conscious i've got to talk about this mm-hmm. and i would really hope that i really really hope that he just gets an opportunity just to be and make horror and it doesn't have to have all these underlying i don't know that's how i feel what about you do you ever that's that that's that's fascinating um i think it's something to consider what what i would sort of disagree with is I think us is a departure from a racially conscious um, sort of agenda per se. I think no. Get Out was so purposefully about the the horrific experiences of black men in America. That is completely one of the biggest themes. Whereas I feel like us, that this family, you know, Adelaide, uh, Jason, you know, the daughter and the husband, that really could have been a white family. I think it could have been um, a Honduran family, Honduran American family. I really, I really did not pick up on any deliberate um, racially conscious like themes. In the yeah, maybe not all. racial. In ge- let me clarify. It's, it's more so like, like you said, he has to say something, right? Like it can't just be a film a horror film and to be I mean to counter my own point are there any horror films that are just horror films or I mean politically horror film has always been the genre where you like like analyze politics or race or religion and so so maybe I'm 
speaking out of turn, but I, I do think it is, it's hard when you're a black creator and like you said, all right, he's wearing, they're wearing a Michael Jackson Thriller t-shirt. What does it mean? And everyone's like, let's go deep dive into what this Michael Jackson Thriller shirt means. <laughs> and maybe it's like, I like Michael Jackson and I wanted her to wear a Thriller shirt. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it could be. But I think, I think to your earlier point, I think at the least, it was to put us in the time of 1986, okay? Yes. And Michael Jackson was the biggest thing, you know, in 1986. Yes. So at least it's that, right? At least it's that. But um, I, I do understand where you're coming from with this internal uh, pressure um, that I don't think is necessarily only self-inflicted, right? I think yeah. that is a real thing. But I think because you're a writer, I'm also a writer too, we still need to have themes, okay? It does yeah. need to... Um, reflect a lesson in some some way so uh, you know I think that um, I think that us it does depart from a different theme I think than Get Out does what's the theme that you pulled overall from us Oof, I know boy, we talked boy, about this a, a lot question. I think okay. it, yeah go so, ahead uh, here's my theory okay okay my theory is um that that there is a socioeconomic divide Mm. and that the socioeconomic divide um has greeted some anger in you know less financially you know like like how do i put this like sort of the anger the anger has brewed up in financially depressed areas right yes and 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 that that has created like an anger at people who who have access to more means right yeah and I think that that anger is displaced that's sort of my my thing that the anger is displaced I think that both sort of groups are being played Mm. by a sort of a Wizard of Oz per se. And and I don't think that this movie went into who the Wizard of Oz was. That was like my biggest- Right, um, right. like who's doing the experiment? Like, like that's who's doing the experiment? Common enemy. You know, who, who is the common enemy? Who is creating this anger in the tether, you know, that are, yeah. that are, that's at their hosts. I'm just going to take that word from Westworld because yeah. the, the, the people above ground, they don't even know. They don't even know. They're not exactly. even aware. Except for Miss Adelaide. So <laughs> yeah. Except for Miss Adelaide. Of she caught all the heat um, for the reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. To sort of like, just make it more succinct. I think the, the biggest thing for me was the displacement of anger um yeah I like that no that's very true and if we're, especially here in the U.S. there's always a conversation with the one percent and everyone else and I you know a lot of people will cast their anger towards um obviously and sometimes rightfully so to the rich and to the the one percent the people who are ta- like the Bezos of the world right all that heat they can catch it absolutely but at the end of the day it's just like let's look at where our government is placing us and the and cutting poor people off from benefits and also accepting these rich people like that's like yes rich people suck but also let's look at the high like you said the wizard of oz who's pitting us together against each other on purpose so because if we linked and all went after the common enemy it would be bad (laughs) it would be over it would be over and just to add to what you said, it's policy. 
policy, policy. is the reason mm-hmm. why, you know, um, people are in the financial situations that they are. And I think what's great about even what we're doing and having this conversation is, you know, the internet has allowed so much more access um, in terms of information, you know, how, how, you know, as to how people can um, increase their financial situations or, you yeah. know, um, you know, build generational wealth. But yeah, I just felt like there was so much displaced anger. And the trick, it's the trick of two of capitalism, sorry to get all, uh, I know. Here, you guys. here we go. <laughs> the trick of capitalism is two things. It's for people like a Ted Cruz, who I can't stand, um, to somehow convince his base that he is one of them, even though this man has not made less than $150,000 in like 20 plus years, but he'll say, I'm a union man. I'm the working class. I'm the everything American. He somehow convinces his base that that's true. And that us in Hollywood, people like you and I, who are part of unions who don't make that much money, right now at least, Um, but who are part of unions, like my folks come from the automotive industry. I'm in SAG-AFTRA and soon to be in WGA. So like, I'm a union girl. So like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like if, and Hollywood, quote unquote, is made up of union blue collar workers, ISTA people, (coughs) apologies, Um, all the crew people, those people are union hardworking people. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the trick is that keeps poor people fighting with each other. Like you said, we'll get angry with each other saying, you shouldn't spend this. You shouldn't do this. You got to work hard and you got to, you know, just because you didn't work hard, don't be mad at them. And we'll fight with each other. And I'm like, wait a second, you guys stop, stop fighting with each other. We're both broke. Look to the sky. <laughs> like that's where, <laughs> that's where you point your anger at. Not the other guy who is also broke like you. So um, I, I, I love that you said that because that's not the theme I initially took out of this. Um, I took a very surface theme, which is like, you're your own worst enemy. <laughs> ah. <laughs> no one can hurt you like you. <laughs> so I'm, I love that. Take better than my like surface. Self-care. Take care of yourself. <laughs> So, which both may be true at the same time. <laughs> Definitely um, true. That's not service level at all. Thank you. All right. So, <laughs> so okay. Her father, distracted uh, by yet another game, fails to notice as she wanders into abandoned funhouse of mirrors. Um, the funhouse is dark, isolated, and silent enough for Adelaide to hear a tune she whistles when she echoes around. She suddenly bumps into a mirror and realizes that she is back to back with another young girl. Adelaide slowly turns. The reflection doesn't immediately turn. When she finally does, there's something sinister in posture and eyes of the face looking back. Adelaide's, aids bul- Adelaide's eyes bulge in fear. Okay. So we've got Adelaide. She finds her quote unquote tethered and she is taken through the mirror, the mirror, right? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. She's no. not taken through the mirror. She, she sees, you know, her other self or her right. tethered self, right? And I mean, are we telling the end right now? We can, we can skip around because I hope anyone who's um, listening to this has seen the movie. If not, this is spoilers okay. all day long. <laughs> okay. So there was, there was like some opening. There was like an actual, I guess, door that was ajar. And okay. her tether was able to see her. And that's how they, they were able to see each other like, like face to face. Right, right. And so she takes her, her other self. Um, you know, oh, right, and she drags the- her. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, I remember exactly. now. What movie am I thinking yes. about where they drag you through the mirror? I don't remember. Oh, I was watching the remake of um, Nightmare on Elm Street last night, the 2010, and that the end is where they go through the mirror. Okay, I'm getting my... <laughs> I'm gearing up for this weekend's um, chat. 
Um, okay, so let's talk briefly about this. There's an escalator. <laughs> oh, oh my God. The ridiculousness. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It's, a, it's a metro it escalator. Like I just thought about DC. Do you, we have, we have, oh God. Sorry, go ahead. I have to touch on this escalator because it never has bothered me in a movie ever, ever in my life to know that there was a way out <laughs> the whole time the whole, there was, time the whole time and i'm like girl if you just don't go climb that escalator and call and quit playing <laughs> like it makes sense for the other tethered right because they're just mindless zombies right we can call them that um but she knows she's aware of her past she knows where she's from get your ass to that elevator and get upstairs <laughs> but she doesn't she she's I mean, it's, I'm not correlating this all because F him, but it's kind of like when Kanye West said, slavery is a choice. I'm like, girl, you, you chose to stay down there at this point. If the escalator is right there. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) That will, that, that to me is the biggest um, faux pas. When I'm like, did no one on the set, didn't anyone, or are you too afraid to tell Jordan or, or the editor just like, who, who was just like, Who's going to tell them about this escalator and what a big plot hole that is? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> like, no one said it there. Nobody at all. So now that that escalator just cracks me up every time like, I rewatch it. Yeah, movie. me too. I mean, I also think, you know, oh God, the escalator. I think, okay, this little girl who has to be what, like 50 pounds is dragging another 50 pound year old girl right? down the escalator <laughs> 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 every step on her head <laughs> every single step we did see her actually you know drag her on the floor as she right. gets to the very bottom but it was just so ridiculous it really was so ridiculous again i can believe anything i really can but they did not set that up for me to believe yeah i'm like why not an elevator <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but then also, and then that's a, that's the thing. Okay, so if if young Adelaide's going into the fun house where there's creatures below, one like here we go, y'all. This is when the podcast really starts. Why is that fun fun house open to the general public? If like they had to know, they built it on top of this farm factory. Like they had to have known. Why is it open? Why is it not locked? I know it's turned off, and the little girl wandered in, but that's not her fault. Like second thing is. Adeline's tethered. How the hell did you know to go upstairs? Is because when you your tethered's close, it draw it drew you closer. Like I don't understand how that logic works. Like, yeah, because in the film it shows very parallels of like whatever they do above, as so below. So exactly. in theory, Adelaide's tether, even though Adelaide was close to her, should have just been walking around down there. Why is this one smarter than the rest? Is what I need to right. know. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this tethered in particular just a, a G and smarter than the rest? And why didn't she tell her homies like, yo, I figured it out. The escalator. So, <laughs> so, so I'm going to add even more to the ridiculous, okay? So I looked up the nutritional value of rabbits, okay? okay. And apparently like rabbit is, um, it's, it, rabbit just isn't, something that we you know Americans consider a delicacy but in Haiti France China like it's right. a thing like it's fine 
And apparently it's like one of the leanest meats has a lot of protein. It's actually like one of the healthiest things you could eat. So my ridiculous theory, what'd you say? Not the bunnies. I know bunnies. Mm. Yeah, but we've been conditioned to like believe bunnies are like (laughs) our pets and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but (laughs) but um maybe Adelaide's tether was so smart because she ate so many raw rabbits. I mean, I don't know. I think it's or you think she's vegan. Or, or, or maybe she's vegan. Is this a commentary maybe. on cannibal <laughs> On meat eating? If you... why, why is she smarter than everybody else? Why is she, she smarter than everyone? I don't know. Right. So yeah. Maybe she is vegan and she didn't eat the rabbits and right. um, she didn't fall for it because I would assume those rabbits are laced. Like if the people who created you only fed you one certain item, what's why would you trust that? Like, why would you trust that? Um, so maybe tethered Adelaide is just like, I'm on a um, whole 30. <laughs> and um, she's vegan, non-dairy, uh, natural, organic. And it's a, you know, this whole movie is actually really a commentary about diet and how it affects, you know, your mind. Did we get it right, Jordan? <laughs> yeah, please let us know. And please DM us. Please join the yeah. clubhouse. Room, please. <laughs> I've been trying to get him in there. <laughs> he doesn't want to join our clubhouse, I promise you. Lakeith <laughs> came to our get out one. Uh, Lakeith, yeah. Wow. He stopped by towards the tail end. And we're, I was like, we want to ask you questions. He's like, I'm actually here to learn. <laughs> what are we going to tell you about the movie that you're in? He was like, I'm just like hearing these dope takes. I was like, okay, cool, Lucky, awesome. Um, so, so yeah, we, there's so many questions off the bat. Someone mentioned in Clubhouse, like if this was a TV show, maybe we could explore more. And I, I agree. Like if we had like the way um, we had the Purge TV show, if we had a Us TV show and we actually get to start back, like when they when were first doing the experiments, kind of Stranger Things-esque, I would be so down for that. Cause I really need to understand the ethos um, of what this world is because there's so many questions (laughs) it's like why the god why didn't why didn't there a supervisor to oversee these people (laughs) i thought the same thing jardin the same like who who is bringing the rabbits down here like where are they like what like who yeah. are they? Are, are they recording like um, their temperatures? Are they taking notes? Are they like? <laughs> is there a hypothesis and are they applying it to the scientific standard? Like, where's people, where's the people are giving birth down there? Where's the medical? Staff? Where's exactly? I mean, what where's happening? the data? This must be so much data, but where is it? Who quit their job or who didn't show up to work for twenty plus years? Like, I need to understand. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. So, and I get it, it's a movie, there's only so much we could do, but that's why I feel like, then don't introduce that. So here's my thing, because, all right, so we talked about the opening scene with the parents and all that. I think this movie could have lost all of the sequence and we could have just started with the family on the road. No? I agree, completely. Completely. Because what's the point of us knowing all of that? It kind of ruins the surprise. I, we all knew from the start, this girl is not who she is. The big act twist should have been, holy shit, Adelaide is the tethered. That, like, that, I, I, I really don't understand why no one mentioned, or maybe why 
no one took that seriously. Why the editor was like, look, perhaps we should cut all this bullshit out in the front, trim it, <laughs> trim the fat down and just get to it. Because all this explanation, it, it just ruins, it ruins the twist. And it doesn't, we don't, I actually don't connect to Adelaide because I know she's a lying trifling bitch. Like she, she took someone's life. Thank you for saying that. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. There's no connection. She is not somebody we're supposed to be rooting for. Yeah, no, for sure. She's lied um, to everyone in her life. She's tricked people. She's kidnapped someone and, and left them to be perilously unhelpful um, or helpless, I should say. Um, she is the villain. <laughs> this is she, not a hero. Yes. <laughs> she is the villain. She is. And, and, and I don't, as much as she, you know, claims to love her kids, particularly her son, right. um, which I found to be very, very uh, interesting. Unless there's something I'm missing there, Chardonnay. No, we're going to get uh, into that because Jason was like two hours worth of our conversation in the clubhouse with all these right. Jason conspiracy theories. <laughs> so okay. okay. We're going to get yes, to that. Yes, she is a villain for sure. I agree with you. She's the villain. And uh, that that's why I will never understand like why don't we just cut the first 20 minutes of this it's not even 20 minutes it's like 10 minutes but it's still like not it's just it's just such a spoiler honestly and but you know the movie's made can't change it so <laughs> so maybe <laughs> maybe there's a tv show in the future okay so now that we've de-escalated de that fun fun in 2019 so two years ago Adelaide, who's played by Lupita Nyong'o. Is it Nyong'o, right? Am I saying it right? I think it's Nyong'o. Nyong'o. Um, first of all, can we stop to talk about Lupita speaks Spanish. She was born in Mexico. But no one ever claims her to be, her name's Lupita. Let's talk about that. Obviously, yeah. She's my Afro-Latina queen. And I don't understand why people deny her Afro-Latina roots just because, oh, well, she was only born in Mexico. Okay, so what's the qualification? What's the qualification? <laughs> we can't be born in a Latin country? Well, <laughs> if you're born in Mexico, that would make you Mexican, yes? Right, yes. Okay, then my only question is, how does Lupita identify? Because I, I know that she's talked about being born in Mexico. She speaks Spanish. I forget what country in Africa her family is from. Same, I can't um, but yeah, how does she identify? I do like I would like to know too. I don't know, but I I want to ask you too. I am um, Afro Latina. My mother's born in Honduras, but they grew up in Belize. Um, are are you? What's your background? I am American, so I okay. am Afro Estadounidense. I'm African American or Black American, uh -huh. but I speak Spanish. So I actually learned gotcha. Spanish in in school in grade school. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, when I meet Afro-Latinas like yourself or the, a few um, Afro-Latina friends that I have, I always just sort of ask, you know, how do they identify? Um, because I know, or I've at least, you know, been told that it can be different, you know, for different no, people. No, you're right. And to answer your question, because uh, I do think it's important that we ask, um, I say Black. I've been saying Afro-Latina a lot more lately, but honestly, um, if you know, if you're familiar with Belize, it's such a, a mix of, of Spanish plethora, just from front to back, everyone's light or dark or whatever. Um, it's also Caribbean, it's also Mestizo, so like it's a mix. Um, and my family, even though they immigrated here in the 70s to California and LA, 
they they're black they're dark they're a darker skin family i'm one of the lighter ones in the family so they were embraced fully by black americans when they immigrated here they were not so embraced by the latino community and that's just me being honest then mm-hmm. i you know i was born and the family is in moved to michigan same thing there's a huge Belizean um, community in Michigan, but we all self-identify as just black because black can, is a monolith. It could be so many things. And I think it's because I don't speak Spanish. So I always felt like there was a little bit, um, you know, a little elitism because I don't speak Spanish, even though there's a lot of white Latinos who don't speak Spanish, i.e. Selena Gomez is just learning Spanish. And the other Selena, the original one, she also was born in Corpus Christi, Texas and had to learn Spanish as she, you know, was coming up. But for some reason, because I don't look like the Selena's, I'm not associated with being Latina. So it's a whole complex thing where I'm getting more comfortable to say it now, like my family's from Honduras and Belize. This is how I grew up. This is a, like, I my upbringing is different. I'm black American um, on the surface because that's how I grew up, but this is where I'm rooted. But I like just saying black because I have no problem with saying black. I think a lot of people, and we, we're, this is not the black American podcast, but it's Afro horror. So I do want to mention it. A lot of people like to justify their culture by saying, I'm 2% this, 1% this, 3% that. And I'm just, just say black, it's fine. <laughs> you could just be black. That doesn't mean you're singly black. That just means you're a racist black. And you could have many cultures underneath that because that's, that's the difference right. between race and culture. So, that's right. but I would be curious to know how Lupita um, identifies as a yeah. Mexican citizen raised outside of Mexico. Yeah, I would love to know that too. Because I've never, I've never, it doesn't mean she hasn't, but I've just never heard her say that she, um, you know, that her nationality is Mexican, right. or her right. ethnicity is Mexican. Right. Um, I heard that herself call her herself Black because she's in that race, right? But as far right. as nationality, ethnicity, I, I don't know how she identifies. So. Exactly, me too. I'm, maybe there's an interview out there. I'll have to do some digging, but I, I'd like to curious minds would like to know girl um okay so Adelaide cruises along a road with her husband Gabriel Winston Duke and their two children Jason played by Evan Alex and Zora played by Shahidi Wright Joseph after a pit stop at their summer home the family heads back to the beach to Santa Cruz um but before we get there let's let's dive into this nuclear family right two kids a husband and daughter so cute love to see it um they're doing this, they're, I like this family. It's, you know, older daughter, younger son. Jason is very much younger son protected. I, are you an only child or do you have siblings? I have siblings. I are, have a lot okay. of siblings. Oh, really? So I, I am one of 10, oh but my God. <laughs> the caveat, no, this is the caveat. I didn't grow up with all of them in the same household. So my dad, was a rolling stone okay but I did see my brothers and sisters like during summers you know um so I only grew up with one sister in my household but even then we had an 11 year difference so it's like I have a little bit of like a only child syndrome okay okay for 11 years it was just me in the household um but you know I have a good mix of of you know the big sister protector personality you have brothers I do. I have brother. So older I'm older or younger. You're the oldest. Okay. I'm the oldest. Yes. Yeah, so they're younger. Um, oh, you do. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Those are four. I have a younger sister who's actually 10 months younger than me. So we had the same age for two weeks. Yeah. My mama was doing things. Um, yeah. We're the same age for two weeks every year. <laughs> and then we have twin brothers 
um, Lenny and Lonnie, I love you. Sister loves you. They're 16. So for once a year, every year, my mother has two twin boys and two girls who are the same age. It's very wild. Wow. Yeah, that <laughs> so is so awesome. like two sets of twins. They call us Irish twins when you're so close in age that your your like ages overlap. So it's Irish twins. But all right, so what I want to say is, <laughs> my mother had my brothers when I was 15 years old. I was in the room with her when she gave birth. They are like my children. But I will say, mothers <laughs> treat their sons so differently than they treat their daughters. My brothers, and I was just like, I don't know if it's because they're youngest or they're just because they're boys. My brothers get away with so much that I'm more the enforcer than my mother. She just like can't punish them. And I'm just like, but growing up, me and my sister are like locked down, can't see no one, can't go nowhere, can't do nothing, can't wear this, can't watch this. But the boys are just like running amok. And again, it could be because she's an older mom. She had them at 40 and she's tired, but I have a feeling it's because they're boys. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. So when you saw how Adelaide was treating um, Jason, like that felt very familiar. Like, I said, that's, that was... that's on point. <laughs> Wow. So Zora, Zora is kind of like, she's preteen, right? She, well, she's a teen. I think she's a teen. I think she's like 13, 14. She's in the early stages where, you know, you could tell like Adelaide and Zora, like Adelaide obviously loves both her children, but there is a special connection with Jason, which we, we're going to get into as we get into another story. And Zora's kind of there. She's giving you a very teenage response, like one word answers, short answers, a roll of the eye and things like that. Um, but Adelaide seems to be very, very close with Jason. And I think anyone who grew up in a house with a, uh, a boy as your sibling can understand that it is a different relationship. I'm not threatened by it, but you can definitely tell it's different mother and son relationship than mother and daughter. <laughs> that is so fascinating because when I watched it, I was actually really upset that mm -hmm. Adelaide was so much more, in my opinion, so much more protective of her son than the daughter. I did not factor yeah. in the age difference. I did not look at it as, oh, he's he's younger and he's a boy, you know, yeah. versus her being older and a girl. I looked at it more of the mother is coddling the son and she is now putting her 13 or 14 year old daughter in the seat of being a protector, you know, which yeah. I don't think is appropriate for any child Agreed. and for any young girl child, especially when she has her father in the home. Do you Agreed. know what I mean? Oh yeah. And it's not even like Gabriel dotes on Zora differently, like a typical father-daughter relationship. Yeah. Like everyone's yeah. kind of like Zora's on her own in a way. Yeah. Which if we're deep diving, <laughs> we might as well deep dive. There's a whole conversation to be had about black girls having to grow up faster. And being looked at by society as grown at a certain age because of our bodies. Um, but also like Zora's a dark skinned girl. So it's kind of like, it's unfair that she's not given the same innocence that Jason is. And we're just kind of like, Zora is going to be the strong black woman. It's just like, well, damn, she's 14. <laughs> right, exactly. I totally agree with you. I think that is definitely like one way to look at it. And that is how I was looking at it too. Like for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Cause Clearly, there's, yeah, so there's so much we're gonna get into it. Well, I will say for the, in terms of character arcs, you know, we're both writers. It's very weak to have Zora one noted. She doesn't really, she has a very flat arc. She doesn't really 
get to either, she seems so strong in the beginning, we don't see her freak out. She's just strong throughout, which is fine. But um, even Jason, even till the end is very coddled and he doesn't really have an arc and we'll get to Gabriel's waste of space. <laughs> Never been so mad at a six foot five strong man to be so I know. incapacitated. <laughs> why are you here then? Like, why are you here? She might as well be a single mom. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? You ain't doing nothing. So, um, but we'll get there. Um, okay. So at a pit stop at their summer home, the family heads to the beach in Santa Cruz. Something based on her de demeanor, Adelaide is quite uncomfortable with. All right, so let, let's stop here too. We're, we're going to make it through this film eventually. There's just so many things. Um, yeah. The family gets home. They, they, this is the problem we had in Clubhouse. A lot of people weren't understanding my point with this, so let me make it very clear. This home, they've been here before. It's a family home. They make a note in the movie to say they haven't been back since grandma died or grandpa died. Someone passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we can discern that it's maybe been a couple of years, right? Like until then, but they've been here before. So this hesitation from Adelaide was quite confusing for me because I'm just like, you've been here before, but for some reason, this moment, this time, so maybe she knew something was about to pop off because, you know, she's tethered, um, which would, this is a, another thing we'll get into, like the ethos, like how does she feel the woman below who is not actually tethered, like, ah, ah, that's confusing. Um, but I really wasn't buying a lot of the people siding with Adelaide, like that this is a sore spot for her. Cause I'm like, she's been here before. So it's not like them going to Santa Cruz is like new. It's not like, oh my God, we, I haven't been back here since I was a child, which again, I'm not quite sure we couldn't have just done that. Why not say, honey, I want to go to Santa Cruz. Oh, I haven't been back there since I was nine. It's, it's sore memories for me rather than establishing that they've been here many times before, right? Like, am I off on this? I totally agree with you. Okay. And the thing is though, I think that went over a lot of people's heads, including mine. The fact that you're just now explaining that it was a family home. I was like, oh my God, it was. Yeah. Like I just, it just never really cemented in my mind until you said that. But now that you said that, here goes another hole in the story. The hole. Um, as you're saying, why is all of a sudden she's like really hesitant, you know, about being there? Why, as you said, why does she feel the other tethered under her, you know, coming closer and closer than everybody right. else? Like, what, what is that? So I totally agree with you. Um, I, I just think that this entire situation with this family is honestly, it's just unbelievable. In my opinion, it it's is. just not believable at this point. And I'm trying to like piece certain things together to like explain why certain things happen, but it is so hard. It's really, no, it's really it's hard. So and we got, we got a lot of flack on it in Clubhouse because like, you're trying to think about it too much. I'm like, you can't not think about it because it's a part right. of the DNA of the world building. It affects the world building. So I can't it's ignore really it. I, so if, okay, so if we're doing two things here, if we're doing two things, which is Adelaide has no idea that this is coming and she's just nervous to be there and she's always been nervous to be there, that, that's one thing. But if we're doing the other thing of like, she knows it's coming, that's why she's nervous, then why even have the family? You, you're not going to tell me that you right. couldn't make your husband say, we're not going to Santa Cruz this year and that's on me. You know what I mean? Right. Like, why I even come? <laughs> so... <laughs> And 
it also I begs the question if she's been here before i'm like did you check up on your tether did you disactivate the escalator <laughs> <laughs> all your trips back you should have been like you know let me go and make sure that they they not coming let, let me are y'all good down there y'all need more rabbits <laughs> Like I would do anything and everything if I knew I was coming back, like sneak out the house at 2 a.m. to make sure that escalator is still not working, <laughs> to make sure y'all are still trapped. <laughs> so I agree. I agree with you. There's so many problems with that. Um and then also I, I, oh, I want to say one more thing about that too is you know, as she's telling her husband, I forget his name. What is it? Gabe. Gabe. As Adelaide is telling Gabe, you know, I feel like you know, she's getting, or something's getting closer, you right. know, it bothers me so much that she just won't open up to her husband and tell right. him at least the partial truth, maybe not the whole thing. I've been stalked, to a babe. <laughs> <laughs> I've been stalked since I was nine. <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, something to get them motivated to leave. Do you not know what I mean? That, but Jen, but not even like maybe you don't have to tell them the story but like why haven't you put your kids in karate classes like what, why haven't you gotten gun training <laughs> like, if you know it can pop up at any moment my kids would be in gun class training and taekwondo um everything Maga. i'm like y'all gonna be ready you don't know what we're getting oh. ready for but we're gonna be ready <laughs> You know what's funny about that? Maybe low key, she was trying to do that by getting her daughter in track and field and oh. and yeah. creating Jason to be kind of like a little baby arsonist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they might, you know? Well, she should have had there. Gabe go to the gym a little bit more yeah. because Gabe's she a one hit a quitter. Him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's he big as hell. It's gonna be fine. He's gonna protect me. <laughs> Little did she know. She she looks so damn disgusted with him oh, the whole movie. Just, oh, I married your big ass, so you could help me. Weak ass. <laughs> like, um, so many questions. Like, why didn't get your why didn't you get your fighting skills together either? Like you, you <laughs> come on, Adelaide. <laughs> Um, so there, this scene in the car was in the trailer and it's pretty popular. Um, it's, they're listening to your song. I got five on it. And, um, Jason is offbeat. He's snapping on the two and the, the fives. I don't even know. <laughs> and she's trying to get him in beat. And then there was some discussion that she is offbeat. They both offbeat. So that's where, and now we're going to introduce our Jason theory. Cause this is the theory that has run amok that Jason somehow is also a tethered. And that is why he's offbeat. Um, and that is why Adelaide part two um, is so close with Jason because you know he knows you're tethered. So my idea, if this theory is true, is that like one of the day, it's a family home, right? So one of the mirrors, she was ch checking on that escalator and uh, yeah. somehow became like convinced that you know, she didn't do this with Zora apparently, but baby Jason, that's the one I want. <laughs> Then I'll, I'll trade you. And she like, you know, came back home with a different Jason. I don't know. That's the theory that's out there though. <laughs> so I, I've heard the theory and if it's true, then I'm even more upset with Adelaide for not right. getting Zora. And like, oh. what is that? You know, what is that about? Why are you choosing the son over the daughter? Right. Um, I, I don't 
again, like there's no evidence for me to believe that theory. There's nothing that yeah. Jordan gave me to believe it at all. I do. I see how close they are, but it's like, when did she have the time, you know, to do that? Well, yeah, like right. you said, the super family home, they've been here before. But again, if she's been so afraid of a tether getting a hold of her, she wouldn't and go seeking doing right. the same thing, she wouldn't go seeking that person. She wouldn't go seeking. You know? There's no parent swap so, here. Like, yeah. So that theory doesn't hold water for me either, like you said, because of the the ethos of what us is, which is like, you know, they're down there. There, there's so many questions. Okay, so let's stop. let's analyze this really quick. Adelaide 2.0, because that's what I want to call her, which is the te- yes. real Adelaide is the tether. It's tethered Adelaide, not real Adelaide. She gives birth to two children, and and we get actually, you know what? I'm gonna put a pin in it because we're gonna get to that story, and then we can analyze the ethos. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. We'll get there. Anyway, let's get the family to the park, uh, to the beach. So the family draws closer to their destination. A ghost from the past makes an appearance. A man holding a sign reading Jeremiah 1111 was present when Adelaide first walked into the front house more than 20 years ago. This time, the same man is being pushed into the back of an ambulance dead and bloody. Do you know what that um, passage in the Bible is by heart? So glad you asked because I wrote it down. Oh, um, I did. Look at that. So it's look says, at God. Therefore, look at the Lord. <laughs> therefore, thus saith the Lord. This is the King James Version, okay? The old yeah. version. Yeah. Um, therefore, <laughs> thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which uh-huh. they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Oh, no. Um, no. Pasta, will you give us a translation in um, American English today of what that passage means? No problem. I okay. think it says the Lord is saying, I am going to bring evil upon all of those. Wow. And they're not going to be able to escape. And even when they ask for help, I will not listen to them. I want to know, God, what were you so mad about before this passage? <laughs> like, who pissed you off? <laughs> very harsh <laughs> there's a lot we was doing to god for there's sure but um i i don't even understand the relationship between this verse and this okay good because- okay i was gonna say i'm like maybe it's because i haven't been to a church in years but i don't <laughs> no I, I don't get it there are there are little um references to god throughout the film mm-hmm. um i believe you know the real adelaide does talk about god and her purpose her mm-hmm. purpose is you know we get to the end of it she talks about you know um basically leading a revolution of all the tethered right going above right that was right. her she believed her purpose from god but like outside of that there's no relationship she mentions god and then there's a bible verse and i'm like what does this bible verse have to do with anything I yeah, don't know. it's like okay, so I'm gonna descend evil on you, and and when you cry, you won't even know it. Okay, right, right, right. But 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 then okay, I know you said you haven't been to church in a while, but I'm sure you know that the way that God of the Bible works is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, God will be like, hey, do X, Y, and Z, uh-huh. you know, so that you can you know be in my favor, so that I can bless you. Right, right. God even gives you so many chances, chance right. after chance after chance. Then it gets to a point where the Lord is like, 
F all of that and F all y'all. Okay. Plague. 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 Yeah, exactly. Like, Kill your children. <laughs> so then, <laughs> so God is on some F all y'all type of energy. Okay. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to figure out why God is on a F y'all energy in this movie. Is it, is it the Adelaide, the real Adelaide, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe she's the God. You know, I don't know. Is she the God? Is she the one that is going to bring evil upon everybody above ground? Right. You that's, know? that's what I'm getting to. Because she descends into a God or, or, you know, the opposite of God, which is a very, but she's right also. Like, that's why I think I can't be mad at her. Like, she, yes, her approach was not great, but she wasn't wrong. <laughs> like... If anybody had a reason to kill somebody, it was the real Adelaide. I mean, come on. Right. Okay? Like, it's like crazy the wrestle world caught astray. I'm like, you could have just came for Adelaide 2.0, but you you said, let me lead this revolution. The rest of the world is going to catch the stray. Like, what did I do to you? Right. Okay. So we got, we got this, this verse. Um, and to believe that this same homeless man 20 years later is just holding, you know, had the same verse right. <laughs> and, and lived that long, um, especially if he's in that dire straits, whatever. He's Santa Cruz. He didn't travel. He's, he's a Santa Cruz man. He's staying there for 20 years. Um, shortly after the Wilsons make their way to the beach to join the Tylers, a white upper class family. Their relationship is strained, held together by the fact that the daughters are close in age and the father's constant rivalry. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, this writer pointed that out because it's just like, why are these two couples friends? Um, they have twin daughters, but no boys. So Jason's not hanging out with like any kids, which I, okay. So I get the twin nod, which is through The Shining, the two girls, and the, also the mirrored effect, um, you know, tethered and tethered, twin and twin. But I'm just like, I don't get why these families like each other. Like the... The woman, the Wilson, the woman, what's her name? Sorry, let me find her. Kitty. 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 Kitty obviously is a very lush. She likes to drink. She likes to party. Adelaide has never been that kind of girl. Or Adelaide 2.0, I could say. Real Adelaide probably sounds like a fun time to me. Um, but Adelaide 2.0 is like is quiet and it's like, so why are y'all friends? Like, what does Kitty and Adelaide 2.0 have to even talk about? Like at this point. I am- I am on the same wavelength as you. Actually, Adelaide 2.0 said something so pivotal when they were on the beach. Like, so it's Adelaide 2.0 and Kitty. They're sitting there in, you know, their little chairs and stuff. Yeah. And Kitty's trying to get something out of Adelaide. Like, she's just trying to have a conversation. Right. And Adelaide says, I have a hard time talking. Now, that could be an ode to the fact that she used to be underground Right. and wasn't talking right right and they can give us a nod to like oh like this isn't the real adelaide but also like you're saying why are they friends like adelaide seems like super chill like all about her family right and that's it and but yeah wants to turn up pairing. i don't get this pairing at all unless it was just just the men to see the difference you know but, and how right. the tethered treat you know adelaide's family versus kitty's family but I mean, I can, so Gabe and the husband, the white husband, sure, they, they like, I'm not married, you're not married, so I can't speak married. from a married point of view, but it's like going out on a double date with someone, like, maybe your man is better friends with them, and you're just along for the ride. 
But um, to go to the beach together as a family, that seems like a relationship built over time. You know, I don't, you don't just do that with everybody. Like, so it, it feels like these people have known each other for a long time. And I'm like, but why are y'all friends? Like, if I, if I was Kitty, I'd be like, don't, don't let me go to the, the beach with that boring ass bitch, please. Yeah. Right. You don't want to drink no rosé with me. She don't ever want to turn up. Like, let's go hang out with the Coopers because, you know, they're, they're she's fun. <laughs> like, I agree. I would, I would hate it. I'd be like, nah, I don't want to go hang out with that family. That boring <laughs> ass family. Y'all go, you, the husbands can go and play. I'm, I'm a drink at home. So it's all very confusing to me. Um, and here's my problem with Adelaide 2.0. That again, we didn't need the first 10 minutes. We really wouldn't have needed it if Adelaide 2.0 was living her best fucking life. I'm like, bitch, you're miserable. You stole someone else's life and you're still miserable. <laughs> you don't make no sense. What do you want? What do you want, Adelaide 2.0? <laughs> like, if I was Adelaide 2.0, I'd be like, hey, hey, new life. I would be so hot and so popping. And then when someone, when Adelaide original comes back, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> damn it <laughs> you know what I mean like the fact that she is so hesitant so dry so shy it doesn't help her case and you're not fooling anyone so um can you imagine Adelaide 2.0 at like HBCU where she met Gabe <laughs> <laughs> maybe because Gabe Gabe had on a Howard he went to Howard shirt. could you imagine well, I mean, they, they he, met at Howard he, 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 yeah maybe maybe they did and how did that conversation go? <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. I mean? like, they were like, Gabe, who are you no going after this Friday night? The mute from Sci Fi. <laughs> <laughs> from Poli Sci, the mute, the girl yeah. in the back. <laughs> so, well, that doesn't really talk. Adelaide. Yeah. Yeah. So, Adelaide 2.0, like the whole character development for me here is if you're going to steal someone's life, you might as well have a good time because, you know, so if she was the fun, cool, hip mom, and then all of a sudden she's a, like, you're not who you say you are, that to me is more compelling than this, like, docile, shy, like, weakish woman. And I'm just like, oh, man, I don't want to I don't want to root for you. I don't want to root for you. I don't like you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Kitty, I'm really sad. Kitty seemed like a good time. Like, white girl wasted good time. And um, she's not, and again, let's talk, that's, um, what's her name? That is... Elizabeth Moss yeah. is wasted in this role. You have Elizabeth Moss. I agree. You don't I, give her anything. Alice. I know. It's just, it's, it's shitty. You don't give Elizabeth Moss anything? The queen? I know. Who can give I you know. a teardrop at the snap of a finger? So I'm just, I'm a little sad about it. But anyway. So when Adelaide looks up to check her children, <laughs> girl, she notices Jason is missing. <laughs> yeah sorry and that sends her in a tailspin okay for a she quick second is... all hell breaks loose yeah um adelaide 2.0 if you know you're at the same beach with the same fun house where you once kidnapped a child of your same son age why don't you have your eyes on this little boy at all times <laughs> girl why is he not wearing a leash you know like the the child <laughs> the tethered why isn't he tethered that's the why isn't he tethered i that is the question that is the question really want to know that i really want to know why jason isn't tethered literally to <laughs> to adelaide 2.0 um none of that makes sense so jason on the way to his bathroom he sees a man dressed in a long trench coat with blood dripping from his fingers 
He's an omen of evil against a sunny backdrop. Did it, so this man is different from the homeless man holding the sign? Oh my God, is he? Because if he oh, is oh, now- he's the, tethered, he's the tethered part of the homeless man that died. I see, I okay. see. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, yes, 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 that makes okay. sense. Okay, he's the tethered side. Okay, which let's, let's talk about this real quick, Jennifer. So where are the tethered getting these outfits? Listen, why was that one of the questions on my notes? Okay. I was like, who is from? And they're the exact same outfit. I'm like, oh, and how? Because somebody has to be there, like, right? Changing. Fashion you know, like these, these, these outfit changes. I mean, listen, listen, wardrobe designers, they need to take note. Okay. Because whoever is. Uh, underground like they are on it like yeah, every no second. resources no needles no threads just skin teeth and nails from all the dead tethered they're holding these fabrics together <laughs> like, like the red suit is everything i'm not gonna lie but and then like the scissors i'm like is there a manufacturer did you have a sponsor how does this work <laughs> And those were gold-plated scissors. Gold Where did they there's get There's a budget, a budget, Jenna. There's a budget there's down a budget. there, okay? There's a revolutionary budget. And they said, we're going to spend about 50% on, on the gold scissors. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's the problem, y'all. We, I, love, I love Jordan Peele. I love this movie. But I just don't feel like... Either the production was rushed because we're trying to get on the heels of a get out like um, like hype, but it's just like so many questions. Like, Ooh, many. Was there a community meeting on the outfit? Like, we're gonna go at red because red looks good on everybody. <laughs> okay. Was you know a, what? Like, a fashion show. <laughs> the, the red jumpsuits um, actually reminded me of uh, Money Heist. Have you seen that on Netflix? No, everyone keeps telling me to watch that movie though. That's hilarious. First of all, sure they watch it. It's amazing. I'm, I'm just gonna it. make one part of it. But uh it's about like uh, a group of um Spanish um robbers. Spanish okay. meaning people from Spain, so white people. Okay. Okay. So these are Spanish people who like rob um you know money from a uh from a factory of mint. Oh, factory. Okay. From a, from, yeah, from a factory of mint and printmaking. Okay. Um so they wear those red jumpsuits. So when okay. I I saw it um, watching us for the second time, you know, to get prepared for this interview, I was wondering, you know, like what the sort of um, meaning was behind red and why those jumpsuits. And so because I just come off a of money heist, thinking in terms of robbery and robbing, okay, maybe going a little too deep here. Okay. But are they, are they, are they robbing something, you know? Are these tethers robbing the lives of the people above Okay. Ground? Well, yes, you know, they are. <laughs> I'm reaching, but you know, that's what Jordan's asking for, is a whole well, bunch of reach. Okay? Here's something interesting to that. The Adelaide original changes her name to Red. That's right. Her name is Red. So I think she's like, I'm about branding. And if we're going to do a jumpsuit <laughs> and my name is Red, we're going to wear red because that's the branding. I'm, I'm sticking to my market. That's right. <laughs> so oh my why God. Red? Why have all the names? You down there for 20 years and you like, okay, my name was originally Adelaide, but I'm not going to go right. by Adelaide anymore because there's Adelaide 2.0. So I'm going to pick a name, mm, Red. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, what? 
<laughs> like, yeah, especially because she had memory. Like, she has memory of being who she was, right? You know she I mean? like, she has memory of who she was. She could have kept her name, Adelaide. Um, I think your personality is forged by the age that she was down there, correct? So, yes, yes. She's she a was fledged human being. And then now, and now she's not, and she's taken on this red person. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I God. mean, I get it. Like, new life, new identity. Adelaide's kind of an old lady's name. I'm like, new me feels more like, mm, red. Like, <laughs> burning red. Like, maybe, she, or maybe she's a huge Taylor Swift fan. And she loves the Red Album. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe that resonated with her. I don't know. Adelaide Original, come find us and join the show and tell us why the names, <laughs> why the jumpsuit, who is your um, seamstress? Yes. <laughs> where, where are they hiding? Was there a fitting? <laughs> Sorry. Also, oh. what kind of, where'd you get the shoes? Where'd you get the drips? Were they in one? All of it. We need to know. Not that this, like, and now, and now I'm really spinning off, but I want to think about this as women. If she's able to have babies down there, it means she's able to have a period. How are the tethered de- dealing with their periods? Is that why she said red? Because maybe she never got the sex talk from her mother before she got kidnapped. And then all of a sudden <laughs> she's bleeding and she's like, oh my God, red. Charday, your arms are so long. That is such a long worldwide give the world a hug reach okay like i i don't know if i can join you there but i hear you i hear you but you know i always think about that in like zombie (laughs) movies and stuff because obviously men mostly write in this genre they never address the fact that like what do the women do during these zombie apocalypse or the end of the world with their periods like i think about that too walking dead walking dead right Like the first thing I would do, obviously go to the pharmacy and people are grabbing drugs and stuff. I'm like, let's get some tampons while we're absolutely. here. <laughs> so, that would be on the list. Absolutely. On the list. Grab the boxes, okay. open the box and just dump them into a bag because we don't need the box, but um, <laughs> we definitely need these tampons and maybe some Advil liquid gels so it dissolves quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now we're just, now I'm really spinning off, but there was questions to be had. Okay. <laughs> um, so while uh, I already said that Jason returns from the bathroom undisturbed and stumbles into the arms of his frightened mother, the family having had enough adventure for one afternoon, decide to settle for the night. This is really funny to me because it doesn't feel like it feels like they just got to the beach. My mom, even if I almost got kidnapped, almost drowned. She's like, look, I paid for parking. We're going to stay for like four more hours. <laughs> We're here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Like we just got here. They had to pay for parking. Santa Cruz is expensive. I know that parking is like $20 for the day. I know it. Um, you just settled down in the beach, got a good spot from what I could tell close to the water, but not far enough. And Jason has one incident and we go home. Like, we're, no, <laughs> yeah. no. If I was Zora, no. you know how pissed I would be? <laughs> like, I would be like, you're fine. I'm tethering you now. We're going to enjoy this water. We're going to enjoy this water. Poor Zora doesn't want to be there anyway, but she's there. And she's going to be there. She's going to listen to her like iPod and and try to pretend to hang out with these white twin girls. And she's going to look for a date. You know, Zora's like, okay, there's some cuties out here. and But it all gets ruined (laughs) by her spoiled brother. I would be so pissed if I was Zora. For sure. Ridiculous. So... 
they go home back at home with the lights out and their children in bed Gabe and Adelaide return to their own bedroom each with different intentions in mind like Gabe is really horny Gabe is ready for action and Adelaide stares out the window twitchy nervous so I don't I I really there's so many things if she's this like timid and docile I'm like how did you have sex (laughs) like how did you have children (laughs) with this big ass man (laughs) (laughs) and then go through a pregnancy I don't so many questions um but those thighs are riveting first of all I want to shout out I'm being very serious right now, okay? I want to shout out all the men with thighs like that. I honestly feel like sometimes um, men have like an insecurity when it comes to that. And particularly black men. It's true. Um, First, black men are just generally built like so beautifully. Yes. In my opinion. Um, And so having thighs like that, like I am like, Mm. listen. Mm. Give I'm it all, okay. I'm just I a chestnut, it. and you're so, just the crack. <laughs> crack me, baby. So shout out to y'all. No yes. reason to be insecure. Mm. And I, that was one of the things I loved about the movie was just that representation of having that beautiful, burly, mm. brown, mm. thick thighed man mm-hmm. on the bed, and the camera is just loving the thighs, like hey. it's like all hey. in the camera. You got that money like, shot. Better, that, mm. better sir all the thighs okay? and that's my problem with adelaide 2.0 i'm like if you knew this was the last night like this is the night to get this in right now okay really quick before <laughs> hey before it's my last night of fun Dave <laughs> is ready let's go oh, big beautiful man you can climb that tree girl climb it what's wrong with you Come i would have sent the kids to the beach and said we're staying home okay <laughs> Kids go to the beach with the white people. We we're gonna be here. <laughs> but you know, she's she's scary. She can't she can't do all that. I love um, poor Gabe. So in a scene from Adelaide's reflection in her home window, home's window, we learn how after her time in the fun house, she stopped speaking. Her parents struggling through a rough patch, wonder if their child had PTSD, and if so, what she saw and caused a fright. Again. If we didn't have the first 10 minutes, we wouldn't even need this scene because it ruins everything um, to just, it just reinforces again that that's Adelaide 2.0. <laughs> like, yeah. That is not Adelaide the original, that is 2.0 and she, you know, is ridiculous. If, if anything, like, if she's that <laughs> smart of a tether, she, if she's that smart of a tether, she should have came back with more life in her. And like, wow, what a change. Yeah. Look at our baby girl, you know, rather than just like this weird, awkward thing. I'm like, you, you got to play the role, honey. If you're going to, you know, take it from Anna Nicole Smith. If you're, you're going to marry the old man, play it up. <laughs> Rest in peace, Anna. Like, you can't be a sad, docile, like cry baby. You got to be like, oh my God, I love you. This is so great. You're the best parents. Keep <laughs> me, love me. <laughs> do you think, do you think that Adelaide was sort of surprised that she was able to like fool everybody for this long. Do you think that's maybe where the confusion in her personality is? <laughs> maybe, she, yeah, maybe Adelaide is slowly judging everyone. Like y'all dumb as hell. It's not even me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't believe y'all this stupid. <laughs> like, um, 
Adelaide 2.0 is really selfish, though. Like, she doesn't, she's not the Rosa Parks of the Tethered. She doesn't go back to retrieve anyone one by one. Like, I'm sure her parents are down there, right? Her quote-unquote parent tether. Yeah. She could have yeah. went down there and grabbed them and said, ah, she doesn't do any of that. She's just like, it's just me. I'm good on my own. I'm going to stay right up here. Um, I think a part of her an- anxiety is just like, she knew this day would come, but she didn't realize, like, it's coming right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. So much I wanted to do. I don't think she ever made it to Paris. I don't think she ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, not at all. She didn't get I, to go I to the also... Beyonce concert. <laughs> no, not at all. No. I also was confused about why this day, you know? Like, right. why is it this day that all of the tethered are emerging from yes. these underground tunnels? Like, why this day? I mean, we get sort of a clue of it because at the very beginning, like, mm. there's a card that talks about, you know, in the summer of 86, six million right. people will tether themselves, right, together to fight hunger in the U.S., right, hands across America. But it just says summer of 1986. It doesn't exactly. say an actual day. Actually so does. I'm not even sure if they all emerged on that day. I right. mean, oh, when no, it wasn't because they were like years ahead. So it wasn't even 1986 at right. all. Like, it was like, yeah. So was it the 20 year anniversary? Like, was that, like, the day? Like, okay, Adelaide or Red now is like, we got to wait 20 years, though, guys, because it's an anniversary. That's a good I've, I've question. Saying, yeah, That's like, a good question. But, like, do they, do they ever establish an anniversary? Do they ever establish any sort of date that they don't. make? Yeah. So, yeah, they don't. Because Unless it was, like, July Adelaide, 4th. It wasn't July 4th, though. No, because when we yeah. see Adelaide 2.0 for the first time in, like, her family, it just says present day. It doesn't even say yeah. 2019. We say 2019 because that's when it came out. Right. But there's no, there's you know, no timeline. So, yeah. It's not, is it Juneteenth? Is that why? Is it Juneteenth? Is not celebration? <laughs> no, it's, just, it's really because, again, <laughs> this is why it's hard to ignore because if this is the family home and they've been back many times, why not last year? Why not three years ago before grandma died? Why today? Like, I, the execution of Red's plan doesn't scream 20-year preparation to me. <laughs> Sorry. No, it does not. It's very organized, but it doesn't scream like you needed to wait 20 years to get this done because we had to train. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe the manufacturing of the outfits took that long. Maybe there's a lot of trial and error because they're not like studied stream sis. So it was a lot of trial and error. Maybe their their shoes were back ordered. I don't know, but... <laughs> scissors were back ordered I don't know but it just you're right that's what I mean this is a lot of issues with this there's a lot of story problems and it takes away from you enjoying the movie because the questions at the end of the day you can't you can ignore some things you can forgive some things but there's some things that are just so glaring you're like I can't even enjoy the movie because of these plot holes so yeah um I feel bad but also it's really funny for me too. <laughs> so Adelaide tells Gabriel it's time for them to go home. Things are lining up. If they stay any longer, the little girl in the mirror will come back. So she does like tell him the story. And there's also a scene earlier with a spider crawling and next to the like statue spider. And you know, that's supposed to be reflective of like things are lining up. Oh, and the, the Frisbee falling perfectly onto the circle polka dot towel it's like oh things are coming together things are happening um 
cool. So that, so we get signs of like that's coming, but Gabe obviously struggles to believe your story. Cause it's been what uh, they've been together for a long time and she's never, ever, ever, ever mentioned anything like that. But the couple is interrupted when Jason tells them there is a family standing in the driveway, which is the creepiest. He's the creepiest little boy. First of all, yeah. it's just like, there's yeah. a family in the driveway. And Honestly, to me, it felt very forced. It felt very horror movie forced. Like, really? Jason, why are you such a creepy little child? For no reason. He's creepy. You know, <laughs> have you met creepy kids? They exist. That's true. They exist. They're usually white kids, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never seen like a creepy well, little yeah. black boy. Yeah. Well, this is true. I do appreciate the, you know, the equity in, in showing uh, a little black boy who is creepy i love him saying there's a family in the drive that is so spooky to me that's like one of the best lines and the fact that he says it so dryly it really teeters on humorous and horrifying which i think jordan peele did so well in get out right yeah but he doesn't do very well here but that line it reminded me okay like Jordan Peele is very talented, but just in this line of the movie, like everything else yeah. is terrible. I would um, think back to my brothers in that age. They'd be like, "Hey, um, there's people out there. There's people <laughs> out there, mommy. There's people out there. Like, I'd, I'd be like, who, who people? I don't know. <laughs> like that's how they would. That's exactly how they would sound. Like, there's someone. There's people outside." <laughs> <laughs> They're not as advanced as Jason, though, I will say. <laughs> so Jason breaks the news. And also Jason's always wearing this mask. He, I think he wants to be a magician or something. Jason is a weird little boy. But, he you know, is. we love our weird children. Yes, for sure. I don't for sure. Um, <laughs> so outside, masked in the shadows, are is, is a family. Um, they're holding hands interlocked. Gabriel, always the comic relief, attempts to persuade the family to leave, first with insults, then with a bat. So six foot five, Gabe goes outside and is like, yo, this is private property. Can you leave? And I'm like, first of all, <laughs> there is no discussion when there's four people lined up holding hands on your driveway. Where's your gun, sir? Where's your gun? <laughs> I want to ask you this question though. I'm from Michigan. Um, it's we're very, um, even though we're like in the north, we're still a very red state, but we're also a very gun heavy state. We have a concealed carry law and everything. My mother is a proud gun owner, has been for many, many years, especially as a single mother with two young girls when we were growing up. Um, we all know where the guns are in the house in case we have to get to them. We all know how to use them. Um, are you a gun owner? Do you, do you use guns? I am not a gun owner. I hope to be a gun owner. Uh, right. The first time that I like operated a gun was, I want to say, two and a half years ago. Okay. Um, we went to like a shooting range in Philadelphia. Um, but I'm definitely all about uh, people being armed, particularly Black people. Same. Um, I think it's very important for us. Um, so yes, I agree with you. Um, they should have had a gun, but then it, they, they were in Northern California. I don't know what the laws are like up there. I know, cause I used to live in California. I know you live there now too. I used yeah. to live in Southern California, just like you. Yeah. Um, I was living in the Valley as well, but the other side in San Fernando Valley, oh, in, nice. um, in Sino. um, but anyway, just the climate around guns in California, it's, 
it do, it doesn't seem like people are pro gun. They don't really talk about guns, and I didn't know anybody who had a gun. So I, it kind of made Especially sense that Santa. they didn't have a gun, you know, because they were in Northern California, you know. So this is very true. Except it, they are visiting North, Northern California, Santa Cruz. I don't know where they're living currently. Like if he went to Howard, so it could be from the south. I don't know where they're living currently. Um, I I will say though, as and this may be the misogynist in me, uh, six foot five man of the house who has uh, two children and a wife to protect. I'm like, a bat just ain't going to do it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like, a bat is just not what I want to be caught with when stuff goes down. Um, so, but you're right. In California, we have really strict gun laws, obviously. So you're in, in that sense, you're right too, because it's like the gun would have to be in the house and all be registered yeah. for the house. It couldn't leave state lines. They couldn't leave, come back with a different gun. You know what I mean? There's a lot of rules in that sense. Um, but it would have to be something that was already in the house and is like there. Um, so yeah. we're not going to harp on Gabe for not having a gun, but we will say this whole approach of like, I'm going to talk them out of it. They showed up at midnight and stood on our porch, but I can talk I can talk them out of whatever plan that they're yeah. about to do is kind of like very naive. Um, uh, and I, again, it's really hard for me to understand how, why Adelaide 2.0 would pick this man to be her husband and when she's so docile and he's so docile. I'm like, you needed a thug. <laughs> Not a thug. You need a thug, ma'am. You, you don't need this gentle giant because you have secrets and you have people who are coming for you and you need, a, you need like your, your Bonnie to your Clyde or, or your Clyde to your Bonnie. You need your Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You know what I mean? Like, He's very sweet. Definitely. I think she definitely needed somebody who could remain a little more calm under pressure. Somebody who did have more of like an authoritative like demeanor. Right. Um, you know, I agree with you. I don't know why she chose him either. Like I, right. I just based on her, where she came from, based on her survival instinct. Right. I don't think that she would <laughs> she would want somebody who could kind of get down at the drop of a dime. You know what I mean? And Gabe just doesn't. He was so disappointing on so many levels as a protector. Yeah. Um, and it just, again, it didn't make sense for them to be together. But then also, because this is a Black American family, the way, the way where my mind went you know, I'm like, oh God, like, why is it that they are a traditional nuclear family? Yeah. You have the man in the home. Not only that, but he is tall. He is big. He's beautiful. Yeah. But then he, he just doesn't, he just seems to be so worthless when it comes to protecting the family. Like, so like, why, so why is he there? That representation. Yeah. Right. Why is he there? Why are they choosing that representation? You know, like it just, yes. So, and then it goes back to our point is there's a lot of things in this film that it could be streamlined or and cutting the fat. Um, having a, a black family on screen is wonderful. I love the idea of seeing a two black family home, especially a doting father. But Gabe, again, like Zora is very single noted. He has no arc. He offers nothing to this role except for some jokes. Um, and, and Adelaide 2.0 really carries this whole thing on her back. Yes, because she knows, she understands what she's coming against. But um, so for me, it's just like the representation of having a, a positive black family on screen is important, but story-wise to have two flat characters, like two flat art characters, just taking up space is so wasted. I agree. Like, it's like, 
we can do both. So if Gabe is going to start out the movie as this docile, like humor filled, like teddy bear, he should have ended the movie as a fucking Terminator, in my opinion. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. There should have been a light, <laughs> yeah, there should have been a light switch. And then he's it's like you said, terminator yeah i, I would have loved to see adelaide 2.0 and gabe together like yo we got this that's why we together that's my boo i don't care that she's <laughs> a little demon like that's still my baby yeah we're missing that so i agree unfortunate for gabe because winston duke's such a phenomenal actor and i just wanted him to have more same thing with zora's character i, I wanted them to have more same thing with elizabeth moss i wanted you to have more layers that is all um okay so the family isn't having it, as in the tethered family. They storm into the home, they break Gabe's leg on the way, and they force the Wilsons into the living room. The Wilsons stare in terror as four haunting reflections, each with a pair of gold scissors, take over their home. Red, who is Adelaide's, I mean, this, this article came out two years ago. There's a doppelganger. We now know that it's the tethered, begins to tell a story. She describes how there was once a girl and she had a shadow. Anything the girl did, the shadow was forced to mirror in much worse circumstances. We learn that as life is above, so it is below, which is also a philosophy of uh, the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, when Adelaide is- And there's the, also, sorry to so, like, interrupt, yeah. that's also a biblical verse. The Bible actually yes. talks about it. I still so, love yeah. So it is. Yeah. Yep. There goes other religious things in here. Yeah. A lot of things happening. Um, when Adelaide ate good meals, Red ate raw rabbits. When Adelaide met Gabe and fell in love, Red made Abraham. And these are all biblical names. I'm just getting now, uh, now uh, Abraham and Gabriel, at least. Weren't they brothers and they mm -hmm. kill each other? I can't remember. Gabriel um, was an angel. The angel Abraham is right. the father. Yeah. Right. He's basically the father of, of, um, of nations. Right. Um, when Red met Abraham, a brutal man she did not love and was forced to be with him. Um, when Adelaide needed a C-section, Red was forced to cut her child from her body with her own hands. Okay. So this is where I was saving that ethos uh, conversation for, because now, now we're here. Whew, so much to unpack in that one. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is <laughs> if the tethered are a government exper experiment, it makes no sense why Red has to get the reflections of Adelaide 2.0 because Red actually isn't the tethered. Red is the human. That's a flaw for me. Right? Huge. Yes. Huge makes no sense. Flaw. It makes no sense. It would, it would suggest that everything that Adelaide did, Adelaide 2.0 above, is reflected for Red, and that doesn't work because they switch places, and Red is actually human, like I said. She was born here. She is not a creature. And also, it's like, if it's a government experiment, then there's, why is there a mystical element to it? You know, like... <laughs> I don't yeah. now I'm thinking about yeah. it making me mad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like if the government is doing this experiment, how the hell is she giving birth like Mary to random children exactly. on the other side? There's so many questions. Um okay, and then so going back to our game conversation of like flat arc. I see now what they're trying to do. Red met Abraham and he's brutal. So he's the mirror of Gabe, so he's opposite. So 
in a sense, if Gabe was to have this arc of going from docile to Terminator, then Abraham would have an arc of going from Terminator to docile? Oh, maybe. So I guess everyone has to have a flat arc because they're reflective of their personalities below. So, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> my head. So I mean, we, th these are important questions. These are questions. You know, and no. We're just not going to have the answers because I don't think they exist. So, like, I just yeah. don't like, yeah, it's, it's very poorly crafted, the story. I don't know why exist. Jordan was so in a rush to get this out in 2019. Um, you know, like, I don't understand. I don't know. I blame Blumhouse. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And, and then what's interesting is Gabe asks, you know, like, who are you people? And then Oh yeah, that's Adam the next line. Like, we, yeah. When asked who they are, Red smiles. We are Americans in her voice that I love. Um, what? Right. <laughs> what? I think, I think, I think it was an attempt, okay, uh -huh. for Jordan to speak to the audience. I think that's what that was about. It was an attempt for us to maybe look look at ourselves, you know, like kind of have some sort of introspection about okay. who we are as people and to really purge out maybe the evil, you know, maybe the things that we've been avoiding. You mean Americans? Yeah, sure. Okay. You know, so, again, I, I'm the British, I'm not the British, the not the Australians, not, not the Canadians. Not British, <laughs> not Haitians, just Americans. not Salvadorians. We are only focused on Americans. And even that is so ego, like, natural born but citizens anyway. or like, does my immigrant family count? Because my mother is just a green card holder. <laughs> does she count? I think I think Jordan would just say, you know, if you identify as American, then we're talking to you too. Okay. okay. And, you know, because technically South Americans are Americans. True. This is true. Central Americans he are didn't you know, he, he, Yeah, he's talking about Latin Americans. As, Central Americans. Exactly. Who who are who are we talking about? Americans. But yeah, it's just all over the place. And what the first thing that come out of here in my mouth. I mean, that's not the first thing, but like that line, that retort, I'm, we are Americans. I'm just like, okay, girl, what am I supposed, what is that supposed to mean? What is that supposed to mean for me? It's almost like, I know it's not inferred to be this way, but it gives me a little bit of like, if the tethered are considered foreigners, it's, it's kind of like, is it saying like foreigners are going to overtake the country, but they're, they're not foreigners. They're American. I know that's way too far. I know that's not at all what he meant, but it's giving me a little bit like you need to see us as Americans because even though we're quote unquote, not of this. Oh, I, I see. I see. I see. You know okay. I mean? Cause they're, I can see that. Foreign. They're the yeah. Or, yeah. The forgotten. or the forgotten, the forgotten right? Like right. maybe, 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 you know, the real Adelaide is looking for acknowledgement, you know, right. that we exist, we're here. Um, but it's not just about acknowledgement because not only does she want to be acknowledged, she also wants to kill. Yeah, and they kill. And yeah. like, and so if, if your theme is supposed to be like immigrants and foreigners, that's a bad theme because that is the, the fear of these white supremacists are like, they're going to kill us. They're going to take our job. They're evil. So I'm really, I really hope that's not where we're going with. Yeah awful yeah. it's an awful comparison to use um 
But so none of this makes sense. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> especially the scissors. Like, I yeah, that was scissors really don't make sense. No. Like, Way I'm, too literal. I'm a planner. I'm a Libra, but I feel very Virgo. So in my head, I'm like, there must have been a committee um the revolution committee and there must have been like a day for you to to sign up um but also get your information for your tether like they live at 1605 jordan road okay and um here's your map right you can't drive obviously but you can walk good luck to you and um and also like pick up your uniform over here um you need to pick up your scissors over here you only get one so don't you lose your scissors because we only had a budget for one a person you know what i mean like i'm thinking about the logistics of what it would be to like organize this and then like okay so we're gonna send you guys up in teams of four okay families first and then we'll do single parents loners homeless people we'll do you guys next but everyone up the escalator we don't overpower the escalator with bodies you know what i mean like i'm just like what is the what was the business plan <laughs> in, in all of this? <laughs> I'm such an yeah, or I want to thinking. I, I want to see everything that that um, they put on the cutting room floor. Okay, yeah. like that's what I want to see. Yeah, I want to see the logistics. Yeah, I need yeah, to see the logistics sure. of this. Like, was there a training? Was there and who did the training? Was it Red? Um, was there like how many hours of training was it? Was it each book training? Was it in person? Um, if you missed the training, does that mean you're out of the revolution? There's so many questions. <laughs> yeah, I'm annoying. Oh, <laughs> Don't let me talk about this movie. <laughs> so um, the Wilsons and an intense scene set the set in the dark night are forced to fight their counterparts for their lives. Like Gabe must face Abraham on a boat he bought for the trip. Jason is forced in a closet with a burned, fire-loving version of himself. Zora, cross-country star, must run to save her life. And all the while, Adelaide and Red stare at each other. <laughs> That's what the article says. They are two <laughs> reflections becoming one. The Wilsons are able to escape their doppelgangers. Gabriel kills Abraham with his beloved boat. Not too far. Oh, no, we're getting too far. Okay, so they escape. So they go through all that, and they manage to break free. So not only is... Um, Gabe useless. It looks like Abraham tethered is also useless. Very easy to kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at least they have that in common. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least they kept that the same. Like that was, you know, that made sense. I really right. feel like the this my version of this movie would be like Red, aka Adelaide, comes up, knocks on the door, and says. I need to have dinner with you, Adelaide 2.0. We really need to talk about this. And they sit down and they have a conversation like, so look, what you did wasn't cool, but I like you, obviously, because we share a lot of things, a lot of parallelisms, um, but you got to go back home now. Like you had fun. I let you do that for 20 years. I took the escalator up. You got to go and like, let me take over. This is my life. Like, I feel like they would be good girlfriends and maybe Adelaide 2.0 would be like, you know what? Thank you for 20 years. That was really cool. Or in the beginning, if Adelaide 2.0 would have just made a deal with this original Adelaide and like, so I hate it down here. Like, could we just trade like, you know, parent trap style for like a weekend? Awesome. I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> see you on Sunday. And then we'll come back. <laughs> or, or as we talked about earlier, 
they could have came together to fight the Wizard of Oz. This is true. Okay. Also, like, it's like just allow yes. everybody <laughs> from the underground to come above the ground. Okay. Yes. Um, and let's you know fight the man, whoever the man is in this world. <laughs> like, let's fight the man. Um, because as you know, like the original Adelaide said. Um, this is a little bit later, but like it's all sort of like a puppet game, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. supposedly the government is using, you know, um, these tether to um control the people above ground, right? Still, right. I don't believe that, but whatever. <laughs> wow. Um, so if that's the case, then we need to link up, you know, link up, and that's when they two sides come together and in a conference room, um, maybe the Santa Cruz Conference Center. And like, we're going to introduce you guys to everyone. We are showing unity, just like Joe Biden said at his inauguration. We're going to cross the aisle and we're going to conquer the people. That is the people that did this to us. But that doesn't yeah. happen. <laughs> that doesn't happen at all. Um, okay, so all the while, uh, oh, I read that. The Wilsons were able to escape their doppelgangers. We know that. But not too far away, the Tylers prepare for a bed in their luxurious home. Um, Josh, oh, Josh, laid back and unsuspecting of what is happening just a couple of miles away, is jolted from his night of relaxation when his wife, Kitty, says she heard a noise outside. And in a blink, the Tylers' home is taken over by the doppelgang their doppelgangers. Unlike the Wilsons, they are not given a chance to fight back. Every member of the Tyler family is brutally stabbed with scissors. Um, why why is there so much like heat for the Tyler family with their doppelgangers? Like you don't even know them. You I know. Fight in this. I had the same question. I had the same question. Is it because um, maybe the way that Kitty and Josh acted in their everyday life, maybe they had a lot of like anger and evil and malice that the tethers also um you know like have you know what i mean but aren't they supposed um, to be opposite mirrored so if the tylers are annoying like assholes then i would think like the tether tylers would be so sweet like oh my god you guys let's play monopoly let i see know. what you mean i'm so I, you know, confused I did, not, I did pick up on that all like i thought the entire point of all the tethered coming above ground was to kill the originals like yeah, because I, all of them I think angry. that's true. I think that's true. I think Red specifically is obviously she's the leader and she's like, this is the plan. You guys are gonna kill your like we're all getting out of here, which I love about Red, unlike original Adelaide 2.0. Um, Red is like, if I eat, you're all gonna eat. So yeah. <laughs> we're all coming up and <laughs> and I can yeah. I can because you know there's zombies, right? Quote unquote, there's no soul behind them. I could see leader red being like, here's your scissors, go kill something. And they're not really translating like why they're just like, we've been trained to kill and we're going to kill. And she's going to be so like the smile on tethered Kitty's face is like, we did it. You know, like she's going to be so happy with us doing this. Um, here's my issue with red 20 years in the making. <laughs> you had them all in the living room, girl, this plan could have been executed in five minutes, but you let them all go. So you could have a chase for the night but like you ruined your own plan your plan was to kill girl and take over your life you could you had her in the living room they they didn't have a gun and gabe is useless you could have off all of them right there and then still and went to bed with your horrible husband at you know at the end of the night so i don't understand why red is giving lenience to her crew when it's her plan and she actually has like some real beef but letting everyone else just like strike and kill 
Got it. Ooh, that is such a good point. Like, why red? Why? Mm. What's the purpose? Because she wanted to make it hurt a little bit longer and, you know, she wanted to make it laugh. Maybe, maybe. I mean, she has, okay, so so she's really the one only because she has experience above ground. That's really the difference. You know what I mean? Like she was able to actually learn how to talk and express her feelings and understand human relationships. So I think that still remains in her. So yes, the entire goal is for her to kill this family. Um, I don't know if it's to take over like the, I don't know if it's for her to assume that role. I just know it's to kill them, you know? So anyway, so before she does that, I think she wants to relate to Adelaide 2.0 in the human way that is still in her, that's still deeply buried in her. Whereas the other, they haven't developed that skill. They are like completely primitive, completely animalistic. Like I have a target and I am going to that target and, and completing it, you know? Right. And then, so Jordan did mention in an interview, like there's moments um, from the movie Funny Games, a German film, I don't know if you've seen it, that is inspired in this section. So in the movie Hun- Fun- Funny Games, it's two like really nice um, yuppie white guys who stumble on this house with this family's vacationing in their summer home, right? It's a, it's a mom and a dad and a little boy. It's not, they don't have two kids. And um, they ask them for eggs. And then, you know, they invite, the family invites them to their house, they start shitting. And then it turns out they're, they're, these two yuppies are just planning to kill this family. Like at the end of the day, they just wanted to get in the house to get eggs so they can like scope the house out so they can kill the family. And they spend the rest of the film just torching the family slowly with funny game or not so funny games. Like, oh, if you shoot your son, you can spare your wife, things like that. They mess with them for hours, but it turns out they were always going to kill this family at the end of the day. Like all this stuff they set up about, you can save this. It was bullshit. They're always going to kill the family. So I get, I see how that inspires this scene with red is just toying with them. But at the end of the day, she was always going to kill them. The difference with funny games is those men had no motive. They, they literally just went from house to house doing this. Red has clear motive and revenge yeah. that she needs to execute. So like, why are you waiting? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's do this and move on. We got, you know, we can get, church, <laughs> get dinner by seven. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so the Wilsons, they, they find each other, you know, um, Zora's super fast and a neighbor gets in the way and he gets ended up getting killed by Zora's tethered because he, you know, is just in the way. I think we needed more body count. So that's why we had that scene, but also it services nothing um, at the same time. Um, so the Wilson's unaware of what just happened to the Tylers approach the resident and seek a refuge. Adelaide is yanked from the arms of her family into the Tylers home by the doppelgangers. And once again, it's kill or be killed with better teamwork and coordination skills than any family would expect it to have after meeting their doppelgangers. The Wilsons kill the murderous version of their friends and gather to figure out what is happening around the world. They turn on the news. They see the doubles across the U.S. have come out of the tunnels and sewers. Tunnels and sewers? What? Ah, ah, we'll get there. Only to, um, sewers to kill. Only the Wilsons seem aware at this point that they are, that the, they are doubles killing. Wait, only the Wilsons seem aware at this point that they are doubles, okay, killing their other halves. As they kill, they join hands across America. So this is the issue here. So this pipeline apparently goes all across the U.S. of this government experiment. I forgot about this because my dumbass assumed that this was just a Santa Cruz revolutionary. But this is 
Huh? Okay, so logistically, how is Red communicating with everyone across the country about this plan? Now the production, where I thought it was just Santa Cruz, it is massive. This is a massive production. So she's got jumpsuits to give out thousands, if not millions, no, millions of scissors and jump. Oh my God, I'm tired. <laughs> the more that we talk about it, the more uh, mind-boggling it becomes. Okay, so I'm gonna throw in something here that we obviously don't know, don't see, but uh, we're just throwing a whole bunch of theories around, so why not, okay? Sure. Um, maybe Adelaide 2.0 is like the sergeant of the Santa Cruz, like, Oh, she's, gener she's General Patton. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, she's just General Patton of this section. Okay, that of the section. World, you know? Okay. Like that. And then there are others. Great. And then, I mean, clearly there's an entire organization here, right? It's We're very organized. Like at the top, top, top of the revolutionary, right. of the revolution. But Adelaide is definitely the Santa Cruz bitch, okay? okay. Like she is the That one. is her sector. Um, Great. So that's, that's what I'm thinking. But, but let's say she's actually the one and, you know, she started this whole thing across America. Then, yeah, I would have all the questions that you do. And how did she communicate with everybody? I mean, are the tunnels, are the, are the tunnels connected in right, some way? The like, there's connected? a whole tunnel, like, where you go so, all like, around the world. Well, okay, so then here's, and then also so many questions. Like, okay, so say... Um, Red is the general patent of Santa Cruz. And then it's like, do they have <laughs> weekly meetings with the other senators? I'm going to call them senators because I'm going to create a government um, with the tethered senators. Is like, is there a representative for each state, each county? How does it work? And then also, <laughs> is there a two thirds majority? Is there a, a decorum? Um, like, what do they need <laughs> to like? <laughs> how is the nomination? Is there voting? Is everyone registered to vote? Like. What do you have to do to register to vote? <laughs> is there voter suppression? Okay. Like voter suppression? All these questions. All <laughs> these questions. Are there like answers? Is there the state rights? Like is California's purge different from Texas's purge? <laughs> like are there different <laughs> uniforms for Texas? Maybe Texas has the guns that I wanted and it's more cowboy-esque with hats and tassels. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. To represent, you know, to represent their individual. I hate era. it. I hate it so much. And I'm thinking about it now. I know. Like, <laughs> nationwide doesn't make sense. Why can't we it's scale not it? Not at all. Why, why? Why? Exactly. Just keep it here. Just keep, keep it, it here. Contained in Santa Cruz. But because, no. Because that so theory, if it is nationwide, it doesn't matter where Adelaide 2.0 lives in the country. She should always be in a state of fear. Cause it's like, there's an escalator somewhere in the city. <laughs> like, Charlotte, you're thinking way too much. You're, way too you're much. thinking too, you're thinking too much. We Every both logic. are because the more that we talk about it, the more ridiculous this sounds. And we question, how did this get made? How did this get made? Well, when you um, so well, I know Blumhouse and Jason Bloom's like, second movie right away. The, the trick about Blumhouse, if you guys don't know, is they tend to rush out a lot of their films. That, like we can talk about, we will one day talk about the, the horror um, production that was the Black Christmas 2019 um, and how they forced those women to rush out not quality work and that's why it is that it is so i feel like with the success of an oscar winning movie they're like how soon can you get us this movie 
And it, a lot of things fell through the cracks when you're rushing out a film like this. Because if, if Get Out came out in 2017 um, and this movie came out in 2019, like it came out in March of 2019, which means it probably shot by the end of, or started shooting in 2017, early 2018, was done edited by the end of 2018 to be ready to be produced by 2019. That's in the same turnaround for a premise so heavy that I feel like if Jordan was given like two more years to really finite the story, we could have had a better story. Completely. Completely. Unless Bloomhouse was like, okay, we don't really get get out. Maybe they don't even get get out. So maybe when like us came, they're like, we don't get this shit either. But um, <laughs> right. you know, put it through. We're gonna you know, trust like it. we're gonna trust it. it. We're gonna whatever. trust it. He won an yeah, Oscar. Exactly. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's not for me. But no, okay. so this is that actually brings up a good point. We had this conversation in the Queen and Slim room where um Lena Waithe had said in many interviews that she did not accept notes from white people at all. And a lot of us were like, maybe you should have. Maybe not like cultural notes, but definitely like continuity notes, you know what I mean? So mm. it's the same thing from here. I it's, it's a hard line to thread where like you're Blumhouse, you're a white owned organization. You don't want to cross the line of telling a black creator what works and what doesn't work in the, you know, so because you're afraid of being called racist or whatever. So it's just like, who was the feedback is just like, was he given a hundred percent free range because you were afraid or because you trusted it so much because it worked, like you said, they don't know what this shit means, but maybe the black people will, and that's fine. Maybe it's a cultural <laughs> thing, and black people will see it and they'll understand it. Maybe. We'll and then lo and behold, it. lo and behold, no, I don't get it. Charday doesn't get it. My man doesn't get it. Who no. was black? So, no. uh, maybe one yeah. more pair of eyes on the script in the early stages to ask, like, to really have a sit-down discussion and say, let's talk about the world building in this. Yeah, Let's this really is more than it. one pair of eyes. You're being so nice, Charday. <laughs> this is a problematic movie. The oh, structure is God, so no. awful. The structure is awful. Like it's not, it's not to keep it, you know, biblical. It's not built on solid rock. Okay. <laughs> like when the wind, when the wind comes and it came. It just completely toppled it, okay? All right, that's this <laughs> was not built on the Bible, okay? They put a Bible verse in there, not built on Jesus. It was built, built on, the on Bible. faith, okay? <laughs> not not even the faith of a mustard seed, okay? Not no, even. not the mustard seed. <laughs> not it was built not on the faith seed. and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Listen, none of it. It's, but oh, yeah. God. It's, it's, you know, it's still one of those movies I will watch like you said, you were watching it earlier and I, I watched it before the clubhouse and you still just go, this shit don't make no sense. But I, it does. <laughs> it's got its moments, you know? Like it's, it's got it. I was watching the, like I said earlier, I was watching the remake of um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the 2010 version. It's shit, but I will say it had really nice like moments and some of the set pieces and sequences at least. I'm like, okay, if you take out all the good sequences, you might've had something here, but the story is trash. <laughs> like it is trash um maybe and for this and okay so the reason why i mentioned that is i don't really see any set pieces or sequences that stick out in this movie that i'm like for what it was at least it had those pieces i'm not seeing it honestly that's an excellent point that's an excellent point me either and as like, i have it on in the background i don't even know like even the creativity no. of death like at least like final destination you're not going to final destination with like a brand new story you're going in it for the kills and that's what it gives you consistently creative kills everyone's just yeah. getting sliced in the throat 
<laughs> here. There's no creativity or the boat. Sure. But it's, there's no creativity in the kills to even us forgive what the story is. There's no moments. It's not like we're like, girl, remember that, that scene in us when they, no, that doesn't exist. That that scene with Rose and the keys is so pivotal. It's like, oh my God, switch. So yeah, I think they were really banking on the gold scissors and the visual of the uh, hands across America to really be the standout, um, you know, visuals for them. But the scissors, as we talked about, but, you know, I'll just mention again, I felt like it was just so literal. Okay, so scissors literal. to cut, to cut the shadow. Like, that's so, come on. It's that's so, corny. it's interesting we talked about, okay, so if, had we cut out the first 10 minutes of this movie, we could also cut out the Hand Across America's commercial, because why not just have the movie take place in 1986, the summer, during Hands Across America, and have Whoa. the tethered mixed in with regular people, like, who the fuck are y'all? Whoa. Like, Boom. that would have been more interesting to me sorry the movie's already made so can't do anything about it but <laughs> but and then it also take out like the um like in, in 1986 was very different it would take out communications like cell phones tvs it would have just taken out all of these things that make it so muddy and just made it more like oh it's the 80s like oh my god they didn't have like good cell phone reception and, and house phones were the only thing you cut the phone line you know what i mean like it would have made the world just for me much more bigger to, and then people realizing, oh my God, the, there are people in tunnels and the government is on it. Very Stranger Things X, you know, where you're the, they're slowly figuring out in the first season that the government is like trying to make open these portals. I would have preferred that, but anyway, it's made. <laughs> um, <laughs> confident the only way to survive is to drive to Mexico. Adelaide packs her family in Tyler's new car and heads towards what she hopes a brighter future. So this is interesting, Ooh, girl. Okay, all right. So hands across America. The tunnels are. What did they say the tunnels were? The tunnels are across the United States. Okay, so yeah. she says by going to Mexico, which is still in North America, but it's not in the United States, it should be good. Very interesting. If you can make it to Mexico, what the fuck? Do you not think that your tethered is going to make it? Like she knows where you are. <laughs> like. That's the other thing. If we're connected to the point of this, there's no escaping. If I'm having children because you're having children, then that means I know where you are at all times. So I will catch you in Mexico in Spanish. We could do this in Spanish. <laughs> like, that makes no sense. And also, Lupita being from Mexico, I, you know, I, I, would, I would like them to make it to Mexico and hear some Spanish. That would have been nice. Yes. Yes, I would love to hear somebody pop up. Sorpresa, estoy aquí. Right. Okay, give it to me, like right now. Wouldn't like, that be dope? Like they actually made it to Mexico, and they're like Lapita, and they're not expecting this dark-skinned black woman to speak Spanish. She's like, "Yo, I'm gonna handle all of this. Let's go." Exactly. <laughs> Vamos, Yes, I would I love that. That was one of the questions that I had too. It was like, there is no escape. There's been no, no rule to let us know that your tether has to stay in Santa Cruz under the fun house and just like the tether you know, they don't have passports so maybe she's banking on that like they can't go to Mexico they don't have passports but it's an underground tunnel <laughs> that apparently goes around the world with absolutely no barriers it's just right. a ring around the rosy 
underground. Like, All General Patton Red has to do is pick up whatever doppelganger phone she has and call the Mexican consul, um, consulate and go, she's headed to y'all. Hold her off. I'm, I'm headed there. I, I can't drive. So it's going to take a minute, but I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm yeah. on the way. She, okay. They don't extradite in the tethered Mexico. They're not extraditing. No. They'll hold her there. No, they're not. <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> Mexico. No. <laughs> Girl, head to the ocean. Put the, the ocean behind your back so you can see people coming at you. But that you don't need to go to Mexico. You, go to a boat. Be in the boat in the middle of the ocean. They can't swim. I take it. So, right? That's what they there should do. There you go. <laughs> like, gotcha. Like it, exactly. The boat. <laughs> <laughs> honey you should have been on this boat headed towards the ocean you love this boat so much so do i let's go <laughs> we'll wait till it dies down but they can't get to us on the water oh my goodness she could have even went to hawaii and stayed on the island i don't know but mexico okay, girl. okay. okay what does she know that we don't know okay. what, yeah what's in mexico the, she, <laughs> the tethers don't I live mean. in mexico exactly what's the secret oh this movie um so the world however is filled with death abandoned cars litter street and dead bodies hang from windows and just when you think they've made it to safety they approach an abandoned car in the middle of the road jason's doppelganger who has been following the car the entire time with red lord how uh takes a match and lights the car and himself on fire adelaide subtly consumes screams for the boy meanwhile red snatches jason and takes him underground let me take a pause. <laughs> Charday has removed her glasses and uh, is <laughs> yeah, because... just wiping her face in frustration because it's okay. Here, here's my my. Yes, you as start. I was watching start. it in the theaters. I think this is actually when maybe me and my boyfriend kissed, just to bring it all the way around. Okay, because <laughs> I was just I was I was just so over it. A good moment. As uh, Jason's tethered, as we speak, he's yeah. walking, you know, backward. Uh, because the real Jason is walking backward. What is what is the question here? The question is, why is it that this tether is obedient? To what Jason's Thank doing, you. but the other tethers are not obedient to what the others. Why the breakdown? What is the problem? I mean, there's so many questions here. Um, so many. And yeah, too many enablers. He has Red, a lot of enablers. Um, going yeah, on. He, he, too many yes men. He should have sat you yes. down and said, "Baby, I need you to log out of the computer for me and go think about this a little bit more." Yeah, just <laughs> like log out a final draft. And, and, and head back to the drawing board. Um, that's a great question. If Jason's doppelganger is so obedient, why the hell is everyone else rogue? My other questions would be Red and Jason doppelgangers um, or tethered. How did you drive? Did you drive? How, how did you keep up with this family? I know you know where they are. That's not the problem, but like, did you take the I-9 to the 405 to the 5? Like, did you take the freeway? Um, did you turn signals? Did, did you put your seatbelt on when you, like, I, I need to look. Do you have scooters? Did you give out scooters as well uh, with the scissors and the, the outfits? Like, because I know you're not running that fast. Like, that's impossible. Um, or the tunnels. If the tunnels have, like, you know, did you go back under the tunnel and use a shortcut? That's cool. But also how? <laughs> like, I just want to know. Um, so it also questions like where is Zora's stop? Oh, Zora's doppelganger was killed. That's right. So they killed Zora's doppelganger. They yeah. killed 
game. Okay, so it's only the two left anyway. So it's Red and Baby Jason. Um, okay, and then not to mention Adelaide 2.0. Why the hell are you screaming for this, Giles? You didn't scream for Zora. You you had a little sadness to you. You did look a little sad, and you're like, oh damn, she dead. But you didn't scream. <laughs> like he's a very different, <laughs> very passionate. Um, yeah. Is so my question for that is even though Adelaide 2.0 has her two children, because she's connected to her tether, does she also feel motherly love for the tethered children? Mm. Does that? But she, I mean, Red doesn't feel may, I mean, for her, right? For she doesn't Adelaide. feel any love. She doesn't feel any love, but maybe the emotion she's feeling is more protect of a protecting, you know, a protection. Right. She's in survival mode. Um, she's trying not to get found out, right? right? If the theory is true that she went back down the escalator, okay, it took the metro to go get her not her tethered metro. son. Oh <laughs> it took the metro to get her son, then she's also trying to like protect him as well. It might not be love, but it, it's some type of survival protection instinct. I don't know. I get that. I can get that. Um, that would mean she have, you know, I, I can get Adelaide 2.0 having some sort of soft spot for these children because they're brainwashed, right? Essentially that Red has made them like angry for at her for no reason, even though, whatever. Um, also, we find out that um, Red snatches Jason. So now this is the second time you have not kept your eye on your son. <laughs> this is, yeah. I'm calling CPS Adelaide 2.0. Clearly, you do not know how to keep an eye on a child. This is the second time you've lost Jason. And Jason, you big ass, you are nine. This is the second time you've allowed someone to take you. Fool. <laughs> like, and, and then Zora and Gabe are just hanging out in the ambulance. Like, y'all chill up here. Yes, I know the, the there's tons of tethers running around killing people, but we gonna be, I gotta go get Jason. I'll be back. Y'all chill here because Gabe obviously limping. He can't do nothing down there. But I really, I'm, I'm really upset that Gabe didn't even try or Zora didn't even try to follow yeah. their mother to go get their brother. Like, because yeah. it could have been like the whole family versus Red, and that would have been dope to me. Because I agree. I started, agree. Reflectively, how it started was the tethered hand to hand, ready to f up this family. It should have ended with Adelaide 2.0, Gabe, Zora, and Jason hand in hand, ready to mess up Red. That would have been parallelism Ooh. Someone, yes let's remake the movie in 20 years and tell it right yes that's right <laughs> remake coming remake coming so and this lady wrote this and i love her for saying this because she's very kind and one of the greatest showdowns of the film <laughs> <laughs> she said it and she meant it adelaide travels underground to save her child and kill red once and for all she takes the escalator down which that's when I also realized the escalator is still working. There's no maintenance man that comes to check on it. Does anyone have to do a, a, a city test? Like, is it, did, it, did it pass inspection? So many questions. Um, when she finds Red at a chalkboard, again, who's giving these people chalk and erasers? <laughs> Are, where are the supplies coming where from? are the, where are the supply closets invoices where's the supply closet are who are they using are they using like ralph's or staples or office depot how are they getting it delivered i can't Which credit card is it on 
Is it business credit? Are they building their business credit? Do they have a credit line? Do they know what that means? <laughs> like, Maybe the credit line? above as below. I right. don't know. So if Adelaide 2.0 has a, a 760 credit score, does that mean Adelaide um, Original Red has like a credit score of zero? If so, then she can't qualify for any points at the Office Depot. So I don't understand how she's getting chalk. Me either. And also, why chalk? Why not a whiteboard so she can color code everything and make it, you know, environmentally friendly and better for people to understand? <laughs> so many <laughs> stupid questions. And aren't there classroom desks in in the room? There are, as if they were being uh, taught. As if they were being taught. What were they being taught? It wasn't diction. Okay, it wasn't how to deal with your feelings. It wasn't anything like that. So there was no I, English course. <laughs> there is no language whatsoever. Just groans and grunts and growls. Uh, desk. They were in desk. Like so, someone yeah. supplied them with desk. Like and the yeah. side desk. So is someone left-handed? Then they're like left out. Are they? Do they know how to write, read? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, cause you can draw on the chalkboard all day, girl, but do you know how to read? <laughs> like, did she teach? You're trying that? to get a new life. Yeah, you you need to learn how to read above. There's okay. so much happening. Um, so then we get the showdown. Red describes um who the tethered are once again. This time she explains how they were created by an unknown power to control the above people and are called the tethered. They are clones. They are forced to share a soul. They are clones, but they are forced to share a soul. Eventually abandoned and left alone forever, they were driven to insanity. Okay. Well, this is the thing, Charnay. I thought that Adelaide, the original Adelaide, said they did not have a soul, that they just cloned the body. I don't know. This article is saying that they were forced to share a soul, and I'm very confused because how does sharing a soul have to do with any of the questions that we've asked? So if you're sharing Probably, a soul, yeah, that means like if I have a good soul and I'm sharing it with someone else, wouldn't that, wouldn't they have a good soul too? Or they exactly. have the opposite soul? Exactly, exactly. I would think uh -uh. they would have the same soul. The you same soul. You can't be the opposite of your soul. Like that's not a thing. Right. But like, I am like very sure the original Adelaide said, cause I wrote it down. She said, People created a double of the body, but not the soul. That's what at well, the original Well, we've got said. a pot, plot hole. We've got continuity error right there. Yeah. Because, because, because when she said that, I was like, okay, this really doesn't make any sense because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how, how are they connected? What is the thing? Yeah, how that do you transfer soul? What is that particle? Yeah, what is, what is the thing that is making the tethered, um, tethered, right? Right. To the, right. to the person above ground. They, that's what I mean. Like, that's exactly. So we have a government thing happening, but also a mystical thing happened because soul is very mystical. A soul is, you can't touch a soul. You can't feel a soul. You can't see it. It is in, it's in us, but it's mystical. Right. And that's what yeah. separates us from, um, animals. Like we have a human soul. We have cognitive dissonance where we can analyze and we know right from wrong that separates us from animals and man and whatever. So, and the difference with like, there's, we didn't talk about this earlier, but um, we did mention it. Zombies, everyone has a different definition of what a zombie is. And zombies, like you said, the definition, they don't have souls. They usually come back from the dead and are soulless and, and must be killed by the brain because they still have brain activity. Yeah. But there is no like, understanding there is no dissidence there there is no feelings number one 
They don't share yeah. anger or hate or anything because they're just zombies. They, all they know is their, what, what's the word? Um, epid, the ed, the ed? Epid, epidemia. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, epidermis? No, the eat, which is just the eat, like eat? that oh, that, okay, that sensor that tells you you're hungry. That's all mm-hmm. zombies understand. Um, so we know they're not zombies, but this this idea that they are clones pisses me off too. Okay, so a clone, obviously you need the DNA and clones are clones real. Like people have cloned animals. We've yet to clone a human that I know of, but um, I believe <laughs> Exactly. Um, but, you know, you have to take the DNA from someone and then clones aren't just like, poop, they pop up. Clones have to be, are like born and then they start as infants and they grow into babies. Okay, so let's break this down practically if we were going to talk about clones. So say Adelaide um, is born and then a doctor at the hospital took her blood and gave it to this government to make a clone. That would mean Red is technically like a year younger year to yeah. younger than her clone right because they want to be the same age that's and a good I, point ideally the experiment with cloning is that even though they share the same dna if you raise them in different environments they still would be two different people almost like twins like with my brothers they're fraternal twins born from the same sack um but different embryos obviously um so it doesn't it doesn't translate that they would be clones because everyone would be a couple of years younger and yeah and different than their tethered. I see why the idea of sharing a soul that would make up for some of the plot holes that they, they thought it would, but it's still yeah. the cloning thing still doesn't work for me. Cause it's like, okay, so who's taking care of these infants and these babies right. pop up and are full adults. It, it doesn't make sense. It's very frustrating. And, and then um, the original Adelaide talks about how she actually gave birth to her yes. tethered she actually child. Gave so how birth. would that work then? So I'm assuming, and this and this is trigger warning for anyone when I mention sexual assault. Practically, that would mean Abraham, the evil version of Gabe, forcefully sexually assaulted Red to conceive these babies. When above ground, Adelaide 2.0 and Gabe were fornicating, okay, which was probably consensual, but below ground, it's not consensual, which right. is a whole of issues that no one really yeah. talks about in, the, in in terms of sexual assault. So Red has been sexually assaulted um, by Abraham. Yeah. Twice. That's, I, I think of that. Yeah. That's a problem, <laughs> Jordan. That's a real problem for me. Um, as a woman in horror, there's nothing more I hate than a sexual assault trope. I hate it. I hate that it it, it, it's used when men want to break women to be stronger or to go through some sort of peril. And it's very understated here. But since we, when we fall, when you follow the lines of practicality, that's how it happens. Cause she's not married. They, they share a soul, but they're not sharing a uterus and she's not married. You know, it's not like she magically conceived. No, she very much stated that she was forced to fall in love or forced to marry this horrible man. And everything that um, Adelaide 2.0 did she had to do so if Adelaide 2.0 is having 2.0 sorry Adelaide 2.0 is having consensual sex with her husband that means Red is having unconsensual sex with her husband and that makes me very sad to think about and I don't know why anyone and maybe if they had more women on the team to point that out to say you really need to think about this because that brings up an entire spectrum that means all of the tethered women are sexually assaulted 
all of them. Because mm. even Kitty's family with the two girls, mm. like brutally. So that feels like a moment that people very much missed. And it makes me super uncomfortable with the ethos of this story. I, I did not consider that. That is um, a really good point. Yeah. Yes. And I apologize to anyone who may have been listening to that and was and is triggered by that. But that's just something, you know, that when you think about, that's mm-hmm. why it is important to think about the story. And I can't ignore it because the rules are there and you're telling me what the rules are. I'm just following the rules. I'm not making mm-hmm. it up. These are your rules. As so above, so is below. And with the Sorcerer's Stone, it's the opposite. So anything happening above is the opposite and equal reaction below. That's the rules you've given me. That's the rules I'm going by. This is what you're telling me. So it's very troubling. Um, All right, continuing because we're wrapping it up here shortly. When she finds Red at a chalkboard in a classroom. Oh, we already did that. Red describes the moment she and Adelaide crossed path at the funhouse saying she couldn't understand why Adelaide didn't take her with her. That's such a good question. Like, why can't you just come and you like be my, my, my sister? Why does it have to be one or the other? Um, then she describes the moment everything changed for the tethered. We see flashes of Adelaide dancing on stage gracefully. Below in the tunnels, Red mimics the moves perfectly, gliding across the floor with ease. The other tethered, upon watching Red dance, realized she is different. Oh my God. Red would be the one to bring them from the darkness of the tunnels to the light. The tethered prepared for years, 20 plus, for a chance to seek revenge in an event Red plans around her hands across America t-shirt to be called the untethering. All right. So that's just, again, reiterating that the ethos is above and so below, but it's interesting that Adelaide 2.0 dances in, was she dancing good? Do you remember? Was the Adelaide above ground dancing pretty good? Yeah, she was. was. Okay, so then mm-hmm. why is Red Below good at it? It should be the opposite. She should be really I good agree. So, there we go. Again. again, you're giving me the rules. I'm just telling you the rules. Um, <laughs> exactly. You're, and, and, and really, honestly, it took you guys that long to figure out that she's different? Honestly, like, I know you're zombie, it, yes. It, like, when I first watched it, yes, it did take me that long. No, I mean, like, the tethered in general. To, like, oh, she's different. Oh, I she's see, dancing. I see, I see. She's talking. She's talking. Do you not understand that she's different from y'all? Yeah. <laughs> saying words. What the hell? Um, no, they they did. They did understand that she was different. That's why she was considered the Messiah. But in the, in his breakdown, it says only when she started dancing that, you know. So oh, we're I assuming see. that Adelaide 2.0 went home and then had a recital like a couple of weeks later or something. So she's been down there for how long? And y'all are just like, that's I see. all right so now with adelaide firmly in her grasp red plans to kill her and live the life she should have been given with i got five on it um to heighten the terrifying crescendo in the background adelaide and red fight for their lives adelaide stabbed and wounded can hardly keep up with red as she uses her dance skills to dodge all the attacks oh this part this makes me sad (laughs) um because 20 years um, ordering of the clothing, the school supplies, the chalk, the rabbits, the, um, the board meetings, the, um, I'm sure there was a rehearsal and a dress rehearsal, I, I, you know, but Red still doesn't seem like a very fierce warrior to me. She's just dodging 
she's just like sidestepping blows. And I'm like, you should have been in the gym. You should have been in the gym. You should have been doing cardio and push-ups because you should have been ready for this moment. You should have been able to kill that woman with your bare hand. And the fact that you didn't pisses me off because it means that you were focused on the aesthetics and not the actual like execution of your plan. Like you look great. Everyone looks great, but you have one job, (laughs) one goal and you didn't do it. I don't even understand how they could have planned anything if they were tethered to someone, right? Yeah, when you have time to plan. What the person is above. Exactly. So is this like sort of a a thing where they're on and they're off? Like, do they clock in? Is this like a job? (gasps) Like from nine to five, they're tethered. And after five o'clock, they're like, we're going to do whatever we want. Well, it also brings the question, like, when the tether, when the above ground people are awake, shouldn't y'all be asleep? And when the the above ground people are sleeping, wouldn't that be the time to be awake? Like, like vampires. Like, I'm just, there's too many questions. There's too many questions for me. Um, All right. So here's when we get to the bullshit, really. Adelaide finds Jason hidden in a locker. Jason. <laughs> you get it from your mama, honestly. This is yeah, crazy. I think so. Get it from your mama. You're in a so. locker the whole time? You, you don't Not have any sort time. of fight or flight in you because it should have been flight no. at that point. The escalator is on. So I don't understand. Um, when his mother tries to look him in the eyes, Jason stares at her um, in bewilderment. She comforts him by telling him that they are safe. Outside, Gabriel and Zora are aesthetics. You reunite with their family. So what the hell were y'all doing this whole time? Just <laughs> hanging in the ambulance. It makes no sense. No. Um, here we go. Here's the final ending of Us. All appears well. Then we're gifted with another flashback. We're taken back to 1986, back to the funhouse where the horror started. The sinister young girl in the mirror reaches out and grabs the girl on the outside by the neck. Oh, that's where I got it from. She drags the bewildered young girl under the tunnels stealing her shirt and escaping to the above. Probably the biggest plot twist in the entire film, I love this article, it is revealed that Red was the happy young girl stolen from her family and living above ground in Red's true tethered half. Back in 2019, Jason stares knowing at his mother as she drives towards their new lives. His mother, possibly aware of, uh, wait, his mother, possibly aware of his alternativeness, oh, smiles a bit. Oh, see that last line. Okay, so really quick, for this ending because we're wrapping out our us discussion this is this is why this flashback was wasted we all knew in the beginning we all knew throughout that adelaide 2.0 is not really the adelaide right because she t- red told us in the beginning so why are you giving us this flashback Sharday, i have to admit when i first watched it i did not know i did not know red said so, so anything you end- did i did <laughs> so i promise you i it did not land at all so by the end no. the first time i watched it i was surprised i was like oh it's not the real adelaide it's- yeah so i think um yeah it, it just didn't land for me that it was adelaide 2.0 the whole time oh okay i got it from literally not- from the beginning i was like that's not her <laughs> wow they switch places that ain't her and i think it would have worked for me again if we had cut those first 10 minutes out just cut those and start from the actually skip the beach shit skip all that start from the night you're in bed with your husband and like what the hell are these people doing here like let's start from there i think giving me all that padding maybe it's because i write horror i'm like that's not her 
there's always a twist at some point in the horror. I'm like, that's not her. That's not her at all. She acting weird. She crazy. Uh-uh. That's not her. <laughs> so I don't understand why we needed to pad all that. I also, okay, so back to the Jason theory that Jason is not Jason. Um, this article says, you know, his mother, possibly aware of his alternative spouse a bit. So there's a lot of people who think that Jason was switched in the in the basement. Wait, so that doesn't work because we saw doppelganger Jason die above. So it's not right. like you can switch Jason in the basement when she kidnaps him. We can't do that. Right. Doppelganger Jason already dead, which doesn't work. Like, that's so silly. We might as well have just, unless doppelganger Jason really didn't die, and there was a switch made in the basement, but at the same time, Doppelganger Jason was burnt the F up. So he looks right. completely different than right. regular Jason. So that goes I, back I, to our, our argument of like, did she switch Jason earlier in life? Which is like, why would you maybe, poke the bear? <laughs> right, but maybe she did. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but this whole thing doesn't, right? So maybe she did in the nonsensical st- fashion that this movie is, right? So maybe something happened, because I still... And I still don't know why doppelganger Jason had uh, the burns on his face. My my right. sort of guess is maybe something did happen to him when he was younger. And Adelaide 2.0 being the trifling person that she is, this switched broken. the burn. Yeah, switched the burn Jason. From With like a good a Jason? Jason? Stop. Yeah, said, exactly. this, one, this one ugly now. Yeah, Take a bag. This one, this one, this one is uh, That's no, no crazy. Okay? That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. And then I really can't rock with you, Adelaide. Like, what? Like, Who does that? You are the villain. You are like, the villain. Like the villain. But also, it. it's just like, if you did switch Jason because he got ugly or whatever and he burned himself, girl, why would you? So you're telling me you could go back down there and you you had to cycle through. I was like, yo, I need I need Jason, 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 Jason. Jason. That one. There you go. <laughs> Take this one. I'm taking this one. Yeah. So there's so many questions with that. It's just like, when the practicality of you switching Jason, how does that work? And then if Red, if so, like, I know you don't care about your kids, but if you saw her down there, that's the time. Like, that's the time to like get your revenge, not 20 years later, but it's very confusing. It's all very confusing. Oh my God. We, okay. So we're at the end of the synopsis of us. This is how we usually wrap up the show. So Jennifer, final words on the movie us for you oh god um final words um two thumbs all the way down um (laughs) on this movie (laughs) i think it is a good movie to study it's a good movie to study for how to not structure a film a story um i think uh it's uh a good study on uh how to how to avoid being too deep in things um I do like that Jordan attempted to make something that is very different in the yeah. horror genre, in yeah. my opinion. Okay. The attempt story. was great. Yes. Yes. Very original story. Yep. I loved seeing two deep brown skinned families yes. on screen. Yep. Um, that just lit up my day. Um, but other than that, yeah, just just watch it with absolutely no hope that it's going to make sense. Okay. No, you enjoy it for what it is. Like, do and is it the worst of the worst i've ever seen no it's not um it's just a lot of like when you start thinking about it it will it will piss you off um final words for me for this movie like you said i appreciate an original attempt i appreciate any original attempt um i like that jordan weaves between horror and sci-fi because i think he is a fan of both um 
I also like that we're trying to create new movie monsters. We don't have a lot of movie monsters that are being created. Like we still are relying on Scream and Michael and Freddie and Jason and, and now Candyman to get us through. But he's trying, he, you know, I saw the attempt to try to make more movie monsters. I think we need more. Um, maybe it's a, trying to bring back the slasher too. This is a slasher. So um, yeah, so there's, there's uh, actually maybe it's not a slasher because we never get to see the killings through the killers no we do kitty kitty's killings yeah um i can't i don't know i digress but yeah so there was a swing and it was a miss um but i do there's a lot of things i do like about it i think lupita is sensational in this movie yes yes i think she plays both of these sides very well and she shows that she is more than just your standard dramatic actress who's going to give you like diatribe monologues she can do so much more she can take characters and build characters very very well um so i i really loved her there was some talk that she should have been nominated for an oscar for this i i would say no i don't think it's like the best performance i've ever seen and it, it was oscar worthy but i do think it should have been notarized a lot notarized wait it should have been noted a lot more than it was because what she did um was create something that was very scary but also very layered and, and complex for the character of Red, at least. Um, I like the score. Yes. Mm, I'm trying to find more positives. I like the score. Um, the cinematography was pretty. Yes. Uh, I think the little girl's performance was stellar. Oh, yeah. Zora, we keep forgetting about Zora. Again, love Zora. Wish she would have got more. Love Gabe. Wish he would have gotten more. Two very flat characters, like throughout. Um, yeah. So that's that's us. That is our review on us. Um, so Jennifer, please tell the people again where, where they can find you online, and also reiterate about shooting the ish with a Brit. Sure, thank you. So shooting the ish with a Brit, you guys can find us. Again, it's a podcast. You guys can find us on all popular uh, podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all the ones. Um, you can also find my blog on okayso.blog.com. It's just a blog where I talk about everyday things in a, in a kind of funny way. Um, and I currently write um, for Culture Banks. Um, so I'm a digital journalist. Uh, Culture Banks is a platform where business and culture meet. Um, so yeah, check me out on all of those spaces. Do you have any um, Instagram handles or Twitters you like to give out? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. So on Instagram, uh, the podcast one is shooting the ish with a Brits. On Twitter, it's ish with a Brits. Um, and then our website, ishwithabrits.com. When can we look forward to season four, episode one? We are trying to figure that out right now. So I would say probably summer by the latest. I'm sure it'll be spring, but let's just say summer by the latest. Awesome. And as always, you guys can follow Afro Horror on Twitter and Instagram at, at Afro Horror Pod. We are also on Clubhouse. We have an Afro Horror Club. Um, this episode will be premiering in March. So I can't tell you what our March Clubhouse slate would be, but the day we're, we're, we're taping this in January and this upcoming weekend, we are doing our A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise 
chat Ooh. on Saturday Ooh. where we'd go over all of the movies, including Freddy versus Jason. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm going to have a good one. I'm going to have a good one on that day. But follow us there. I also want to mention, as always, we have a shop open on our website. And we've got some t-shirts inspired by us and Get Out. Um, we've got uh, coffee mugs. We've got beanies. We've got lapel pins. Um, the t-shirts are really comfortable. I've gotten a few for myself. They're like a really nice soft cotton um, poly blend. And uh, yeah, you guys can check us out there. And this podcast, you know, is, is once a month now. So we can give you big, robust, robust episodes like this. Like this is a three-hour episode. So this is going to be really good. Um, so we're once a month. But if you want to guest on the show, we may have some slots open as I'm saying this, but we also may be booked now. But you can email us at info at afrohorror.com. Check out the website. That's it for us today. Uh, Jennifer, I want to thank you for being our guest, for bringing some much needed joy and understanding to this film. And I hope you do come back to guest again. And I can't wait to listen to Shoot in the Ish with the Brit, seasons one through Thank two. you. Thank you for having me, Sharnay. This has been an awesome conversation. Yes. We had way too much fun. We had way too much fun. So this has been our um, episode for us, you guys, and we'll see you next month. Thank you for listening to this episode of Afro Horror. Please subscribe and leave a comment if you like what you heard. We want to send a special shout out to Jaren Hempel for our amazing logo design. Thanks, Jaren. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at at Afro Horror or on our website, www.afrohorror.com. No copyright infringement was intended while recording this podcast.